Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 46 and for the first time in podcast history, our film club follows the events of actual Resident Evil games. Uh, sort of. It's our immediate review of the brand new release, Welcome to Raccoon City. My name is Sai and joining me on the panel this week, he can also be found drawing on your window with blood when he's hungry, it's Moist Owlet aka James. Hello. His name is Alice, and this is his story. Wait, no, not quite. It's Boy Wonder Adam. Hello. Keys, doors, and Birkin's lab, and some creepy girl that just likes to shush you. It's Kelsey, aka Mr. KDB. La 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 la. Hello. He just sent me a VCR tape to tell me that Umbrella are up to something, and also play Dragon Quest One. Huh? From Serial Box Sixty Four. It's Jordan Subaru. <laughs> Hello. And gatecrashing the podcast to chat the news, the only member of the Playboy people who hasn't seen the film yet, it's Firebutton Steve Valance. We couldn't do it without you. Hey, hello. <laughs> this episode of First Aid Spray, like all others, was recorded live on our Discord server. Enter our little world of survival horror now to hear the show early and unedited, as well as join our wonderful community and keep up to date with all of the latest news. You can find our link to the server, as well as all of our social media profiles, at our website, fasprayPod.com. You can also help the show by checking out our merch or by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Various tiers, each with their own perks. Head over to patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod for a full list and the chance to create bonus first aid spray content. A little bit of housekeeping first. Welcome to season four. This is, yeah, marking the beginning of the fourth year of the show. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah, just super happy with that. We won't dwell on it too much, but if you haven't checked out Off the Record, uh, our annual deleted material podcast, if you like, that is available on your feeds and YouTube now. 45 minutes of just extra deleted chat from the podcast um also if you're a patreon member if you are backing at the tyrant level which is five dollars a month you can now listen to our retrospective review of the evil within that was a pile of shame pick so you can find out who picked that for us to cover and what we all thought of it uh you know eight plus years on since its release it was a good one indeed Meanwhile, over on YouTube, sort of in preparation for Welcome to Raccoon City, we did a video called Resident Evil in Cinema, which goes through a bunch of films that Resident Evil has been inspired by or referenced. Uh, it's not nearly an exhaustive list of uh, cinema references in Resident Evil, but there's some stuff in there that uh, maybe you didn't know or maybe entertaining. Um, so that's all that's new from us. We're going to ferry quite along, uh, you know, along quite quickly because... That's a, a big topic at hand here. But before that, we do have the Biohazard News. Our first bit of news is that Resident Evil Village has won Game of the Year and various other awards at the Golden Joysticks. Yeah, I think we were all fairly happy that it was nominated. Um, not really like a surprise. It made a, a decent splash this year, but it, it beat out some hefty stuff to win Game of the Year. So, you know, that's, that's nice. Uh, it won... Best PlayStation game as well, separately. Uh, best audio. Capcom won Best well Studio of the Year. And uh, Maggie Robertson, who plays Lady D, uh, won the Best Performer Award. So, you know, a number of awards to Resident Evil Village at the Golden Joysticks. There, I guess there isn't a whole lot to say about this. Just uh, good news, I suppose. Steve, what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, no, it's a fair cop. I, you know, a lot of people go, oh, it's a Golden Joysticks. It's not a BAFTA or whatever. And I'm like, it's still an award. And they still worked hard. So shut up and let them have this. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
yeah, no, and honestly, the competition's been a bit weird this year, I think. I think Village may have had the... Um, to, have to, to be a Resident Evil game, come out early in the year and still be showing strong is great. Uh, besides, like, Metroid Dread and Deathloop, I feel like it's been a bit of a easy path for him. But then again, Village is a good game and does deserve it. That's my take. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't what I voted for. <laughs> but I'm happy that it won, so it's all, it's all good. Anyone else thoughts on uh, Golden Joysticks? Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, thoroughly deserved it, in my opinion. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, I spent so much time on that game. Um, like, it, it stole... Uh, almost 48 hours of my life when it released <laughs> like and then i just went on a yeah a proper one like just yeah so i was i was very i would have been surprised if it didn't win however i was thinking that um if it like you said if it came out next year i it wouldn't have won it like it's already the lineup for next year like yeah, that's is, probably fair. So strong. Hey, like, let me give a prediction for next year's winner at most Game of the Year awards. It probably begins with Elden Ring and ends there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you've also got like you got Horizon as well. Sure. You've got yeah. Ragnarok as well. Like mm. oh, they might be anticipated because it might be put back a little bit, but some really big contenders. So yeah, I think it got it easy, but it still deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it, maybe it was also just a, a handy thing of good timing. I know some people are upset that something like Remake 2 didn't win the year that it came out. But, you know, it is what it is. As you say, context is perhaps everything. And uh, the the huge amount of marketing and stuff like that they did for Village has absolutely paid off, hasn't it? Because it's done really well in sales and it's cleaned up here. And we can only hope that it does well at the Game Awards next week as well. Yeah, like... It's... Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, the, the marketing side of it, like, man, they, I mean, they probably got promotions, like, but though, whoever did that, amazing work. Like, yeah. on the marketing, it was so good. Yeah, it's hard to think of another game this year that was as hyped, even, I, I don't know if it's me being kind of a, a Resident Evil fanboy, so it stands out. Mm. But it definitely felt like a big drop, and I can't really think of any other games that, um, made as much of a splash. There's definitely other games that came out that may be better than, um, but mm. it, it seemed like an event for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think any other game has really felt like a big event. That's fair. The only one I can think of was um, completely the other side of things, which was, you know, a huge farce with Cyberpunk, which, it, you know, mm-hmm. didn't, la- yeah, didn't land well. Sure. That's the only other game from last year that, was that big with the marketing was everywhere and everyone was talking oh, about sure, it. Oh, for sure, but unfortunately they kind of you know, yeah. pooped the bed with it, so it's kind <laughs> yeah, of, exactly. you know, it wasn't going to win. So, our last piece of news is, just to confuse things further, uh, during an era when we've got the Resident Evil film coming out, the Resident Evil Netflix show has dropped its first teaser. Yeah, uh, confusing and slightly frustrating i know some of us feel this way the fact that this teaser was dropped between the us and uk release date so we didn't even have to film it and they're already uh putting out this show and yeah i guess some people is kind of like it is what it is whatever i know the difference but we've even had people on our server that weren't completely sure like they were like oh is this the wesker kids thing or they weren't completely sure yes it's it's the wesker kids show um but the casual audience, you know, I, I think I mentioned this podcast before a few months ago when we were sort of, it was literally the week before the Welcome to Raccoon City trailer dropped, actually. I was polling my Facebook friends group 
of do you know there's a new Resident Evil film coming out? And they sure as hell didn't before the trailer dropped. Uh, I imagine most people don't know this show's coming out and are just going to see this and go, oh, it's something to do with that movie that I now know has just released. Mm. Or, and it's super confusing for people that aren't following it, let alone people that are Resident Evil fans that might not know. Um, Kelsey, what do you think of this? Because I know you had a bit of a some some comments on yeah. this online. Yeah, yeah, like I completely agree with that. And like I, I know sometimes it's maybe a bit silly to get all fluffed up in the marketing and you know it's different this and they can kind of do what they want but it is kind of poor marketing it has confused people we've seen evidence of that but i do do want to say and point out that the the picture and shot that they released looks kind of cool um you know we've all had thoughts about the premise of this show i won't retread all of that but Mm. as much as the marketing timing really really annoys me and i i don't think is a good choice I'm looking at it in a vacuum. It looks quite cool. It's a completely CG dog that they've made that looks really, really good. And, you know, that surprised me because I thought some of it was, at least most of it was live action. So they put a lot of effort into that. Who knows what that means for the final show and how much of it carries over. But Mm. yeah, I suppose it's funny because I know there's a couple of people on the server that have made ironic jokes about this show is going to end up being the best thing in years, isn't it? And then we see this shot that looks (laughs) kind of good and it's like, oh, I don't know, maybe. So yeah, poor marketing tact, but the shot looks all right. Yeah, it makes you think, doesn't it? Um, If it's a case at least in the cgi department or something that the film at uh, the film the show isn't particularly good it'd be really funny if we go back to this tweet and go look how good the initial thing was the show didn't <laughs> yeah. live up to because as you say vacuum like it's just a cgi dog it's not actually necessarily part of any episode or anything it, could, it looks like a test doesn't it so who can say for sure but i mean yeah i guess it looks cool steve any thoughts on the uh the tease here for zombie dog Looks all right. I'd say it's uh, a bit a step above the RE engine zombie dog we've seen twice now, you know, as opposed to what I've seen of uh, Welcome to Raccoon City, because I am the one member of the podcast who hasn't. Uh, You know, so, yeah, it looks fine. I'm still wondering what... I'd rather have some meat on the bones of the actual series. I mean, it's nice that they've at least done something. I think the timing is horrible, because the availability of the film is atrocious. Mm. But that's again, I'm not necessarily the same. It's not necessarily the same, like left hand talk to the right hand situation. It might be two different subdivisions doing blah 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 blah. You know, so yeah, I'll still see it. It's uh, almost a contractual obligation. <laughs> yeah. Nice dog. <laughs> reboot. You know? Nice dog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder. I get. It, it, I wonder when this thing is coming. Like, mm. I. It seems a bit odd to start doing it now because I didn't think the show was probably coming for like another year at this point. Because, but uh, who knows? You know, maybe they're really ramping up to get out as soon as possible. Who could say? All right, well, let's move fast on from the news. We have a hell of a subject to talk about. Uh, long last, and what a hell of a way to open season four. We are now going to do our immediate review of Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City. And now. Reading the file, Ricky's Notebook, from Resident Evil Outbreak File 2, Angry Arrow, who you can find on Twitch at AngryArrow underscore Twitch. September 12th. I can't get used to working late. I'm actually afraid of the dark. Jim always says that it doesn't make any difference if it's night or day, since we're on the ground. But... September 18th. Big ass bug bit me in the back of the neck today while I was inspecting the tunnel. 
swollen and itches like mad. Damn. September. Man. So dark. Why is the subway so damn dark? Is that light bulb starting to go out? Damn bugs. Bite. Hurt. I'll kill you all. Kill. Yeah. What's that noise? Oh, my head. Bugs. Kill. Well, at long last, it is here. We have returned to Resident Evil on the big screen. The first big screen event uh, that's not affiliated with Paul W.S. Anderson. This is a brand new reboot, if you like. Uh, interesting to call it a reboot since it's actually closer to the source material that we've had before. But I kind of, you know, in terms of a cinemascape, I get the meaning. Um, this, well, it's, you know, it, it was just mentioned there at the end of the news. Uh, it's been an interesting one, at least for us on the UK side, because of course the film has been out for a week and a half or something in the US before we got it. Um, and then even then the sort of lack of carrying that this, the cinema's sort of brands have done over here for this film um and, and the release of tickets so close to release dates concerning i guess before we even start talking about um the film itself what was everyone's cinema experience like come to think of it were you in an empty screen because for us on and we're re recording um literally the day after release uh there was one showing at my local cinema on release day wow. yeah just one for the whole day um in the evening and it was pretty dead uh probably just over a dozen people maybe um that's 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 really about it so that's concerning and unfortunately by the sound of things obviously been avoiding it as much as i can online but i have seen that people were saying that's fairly common uh for their viewing experiences as well it seems like not a lot of people are going to see these films kelsey what was your screening like was it similarly dead Mm, yeah, I'm lucky. I didn't have just one showing like that blows my mind. One showing on release mm. day. Um, there was about five, I think, for the day, which is still not loads. But my screening, there was about six people in there, including me. So oh very quiet. I went at 10 past four. So I don't know what the evenings was like, you know, after work and stuff. But yeah, there wasn't very many people in my screen. Mm. Uh, Jordan, what was your cinema experience like? Because I know you went with friends. Was it just the, just your group, or was there more people? No, it was uh, it was pretty lively, to be quite honest. Um, oh, that's good. Same as Kelsey, that uh, my area in Coventry, the uh, showcase had five screenings yesterday, and it'll be screening for at least a week. Um, and I think just about every day, except for one, uh, is going to have five screenings. So I went at seven twenty-five um, in the evening. So. Uh, you know, it's a, it's kind of, it's getting close to a peak time. When we yeah. actually got to the cinema, it was actually pretty, pretty quiet. But that's because most of the films are going to be showing between either six or eight. Um, so it was mm. kind of one of those mid ones. But actually getting into the screen, it was not necessarily the biggest room. Um, but, well, I couldn't count the amount of people. That's not good. Because of, not because there were no people. It was actually, it was actually um, pretty good turnout, um, yeah. I would say. Um you, you know, it was like still so decently spaced, but yeah, lots of groups there. 
Um, lots of people who very clearly are not just going there as a sort of a whim of, oh, let's go watch a horror movie in December. It's more, no, let's go watch a Resident Evil film. Um, right. So, I mean, that was encouraging to see because I know that there really isn't a whole lot of fight to this release. It's got, you know, one week to really kind of prove itself. Um, and it's, it's kind of fighting a uphill battle in that respect. So it was good to see something that was, you know, different to maybe other people's experiences. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot can be said about what Sony has going on right now. And of course, a lot of that has been exacerbated by the pandemic um, with films being pushed back and back and back. But they are far more, it seems to me, interested in marketing Spider-Man, which is upcoming, of course. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you be? And Ghostbusters, which has been a huge hit. Um, so that's the films that you see everyone talking about being marketed. And uh, Resident Evil seems to have definitely flown under the radar. Uh, so whilst we're talking about how good the village marketing was, this is absolutely the polar opposite for me, which makes me wonder if that's why certain cinema brands were not interested at all. Uh, because there was two, there, there's two different cinemas in the town that I went to. Uh, we went to the Cineworld. There's also a view. Uh, they didn't carry the film at all. And as far as I know, I don't think anywhere in the country you'll be able to see it in an Odeon. I don't think they're carrying it all, which was an issue, James, I think that you encountered as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we only have an Odeon in Mansfield where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I had to go to a neighboring city to, to watch it. What was the turnout like? Uh, that was, I mean, it was a city. It's Nottingham. So, like, and they had four showings, I think. Um, and I was... I was at the second to last of the penultimate showing and there were 48 people. I counted every single one because <laughs> I was the first one that came in and yeah, um, 48 people turned up uh, uh, a few groups. There was a few singletons like myself who came in as well. And yeah, the, my main, my main problem. And I feel like, I mean, maybe cause this is my only experience. I don't know what everybody else feels. Um, but I feel like the cinema that I was at didn't focus the film properly. Oh. Um, like, did anyone else have a problem with, like, the text at the beginning? Did it seem blurry or anything? No, I can't say. No, then no it, was, it was all fine. It was a it bit was quiet there. as a film. but It wasn't fine, but it was there. <laughs> well, it, it was definitely so, so oh, my, Adam. <laughs> so, my, so some of my opinions about kind of um, some of the scenes may be... Uh, because of that then but yeah uh the cinema i was at cineworld it, it was clearly some of it was slightly out of focus it oh, would you good. would i would have to the the really close scenes i could see very well but the the far wide shots i couldn't see very well they were very blurred mm. but other than that yeah it was it, it was a pretty good turnout i thought um i had somebody behind me who was groaning a lot uh, and sighing a lot which <laughs> kind of put me off they're doing it very loudly um yeah. overall yeah, I was I was pretty impressed with the turnout, considering some people have gone into cinema and been the only people there. Yeah. Um, okay, and sort of on the other end of the spectrum, over in the US, um, Adam, I think you saw it earlier this week. You saw it before most of us. What was the turnout I saw it like Tuesday, for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went in. Uh, I was the first person in there. Uh, I went solo, and then I was joined by I think like six other couples uh dotted around the theater but by the end of the film it was just me and one other couple <laughs> wow. oh dear that's not good at all yeah oh dear okay all right well let's talk about the film this uh, this is going to be one of those episodes that gets out of control very quickly so let's 
let's try and uh, keep keep a hold of the reins. Um, the big one, though, is actually going to have to be where we start. I think we can't start anywhere except talking about sort of the story of the film, the adaptation, uh, and that kind of thing. So I'm just going to pass the ball. Um, Kelsey, let's start with you because I think quite famously you were pretty excited for this film, um, as evidenced by the video that we put out. Um, how did you feel about sort of... Don't, we don't necessarily need to go from point A all the way to the end, but how did you sure. feel sort of like about the, the setup and the plot for the film? Yeah, I um, you're right. I was excited for the film. And I'm also like, I'm not an idiot. Like I... I had my reservations as well, like many people did, but I tried to go in with a certain expectation. And yeah, the trailer did get me excited. So going in, um, the, you know, this, as far as, as far as the story goes, I won't cover point A to point Z, as you've said. It's not an adaptation of the games. Uh, it's not what I'd call faithful. It uses locations and characters and some story themes, but fundamentally this film is totally different and its own thing. And for me, that was fine. Uh, the story was, <clears throat> excuse me, not unique. It was very simple. Claire heading back to warn her brother of a conspiracy in Raccoon City. Um, but, you know, even though as thin as the story is, there wasn't really any plot holes to speak of. It explains it at the start on the title cards. And, yeah, I, I, it, the story isn't something that I have an issue with with this film script and in particular the dialogue itself was kind of a weak point and lots of times instead of saying something intriguing or cool i found characters just kind of saying what the f and things like that um <laughs> and i think i think yeah. the script might have been a victim of the runtime so some potential story strengthening strengthening and layering does get lost because of that um ha kind of hand in hand with that like as i said pacing of the story was a bit of an issue but I loved so much else about this movie that the story quality, um, I think, although being a missed opportunity, um, it, it, it just didn't bother me that much. And there's other stuff here that rang really well for me. So I fully went in expecting, I think I actually went in expecting to be really disappointed. And I made that video to try and get some positivity back behind the film because I saw a lot of negativity around it. But I went in thinking, oh, this is going to be crap. <laughs> I'm going to come, come out feeling really stupid. But, you know, I, I, that's not how I came out. I came out, I liked it. Stuff happens in the movie that's not really difficult to follow. It's kind of mindless in places. Right. Um, but very similar to kind of the Mortal Kombat movie, which we covered earlier in the year. I'm totally fine with it because there was other stuff in it that made it a good Resident Evil movie for me. And I I honestly wasn't expecting that. So, you know, we all... Yeah, there's other things I'll get into. I won't go on and on. But, you know, sort of that as like a an overall reaction to the film based around the main thing, the story. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was pretty thin, pretty mindless in places. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think largely I would agree with most of that. Um, it's, there's not a whole lot to it. It is more about... It's kind of difficult because there's quite a lot of characters in the film. So you can't... It's almost like the burden of so many characters is you can't really have that strong of a story because they're all trying to do something. You're trying to run these sort of A and B plots uh, sort of concurrent to each other that I don't know what they really could have done with a story. That being said, it's certainly not perfect. 
Uh, in fact, in places, it's, I thought that it was kind of a mess. Uh, there are parts of it that I didn't like in terms of arcs and things like that. Um, but it certainly wasn't awful by any stretch. I agree with you. The scripts, they felt like they it felt like there was one draft written and then that was it. Yeah. You know, it was fine. Exactly. It was, it was dull. You know, we don't just because we don't swear on the show. And when we do, we bleep it. It doesn't mean, you know, that all seven of us can't, you know, curse until we're blue in the face. But every character, every 30 seconds was dropping an F-bomb. Mm. There's particular scenes. And I guess at this point, we don't like need to go right to the end and stuff like that. But if you are listening to this and you haven't seen the film, there will be spoilers throughout this podcast. You know, certainly um, there's a scene, a jail cell scene that was especially bad for just constant F-bombs. It was just tiring. It was boring. And at the end as well, like the final one-liner that you make before you kill the big bad boss, just another F-bomb. It's just like by that point, they sort of lost all meaning. It was not very creative. Um, There's definitely more that you could do with that. So that was a little bit annoying for me, I agree. Um, But but there you go. Um, Jordan, how did you feel about the the story and the adaptation? Well. we we kind of went into this when we were getting the sort of the trickling of sort of the news and when we first heard that it was going to be uh you know effectively covering two games we were like well how's that going to work this is surely a a sub two-hour movie uh it's hard to imagine them being able to achieve that Mm. and in that respect it kind of tempered at least my expectations so i sort of went in saying well this is probably going to be uh you know breakneck pace which it was and it was going to have um, trouble really kind of keeping everything together because it is, a, in effect, a sort of a patchwork uh, story. Um, it, it does obviously uh, work as its as its own story, but you're you're most likely going into this knowing most of the events like the back of your hand, mm. um, and and that's going to come with some sort of inevitable sort of clashes in your head. I mean, with regards to uh, the actual sort of the the writing uh, and the script for this film, uh, I'm in a bit of two minds. I mean, I, I could almost imagine that you know a lot of this film was not necessarily shot with a script or or shot with a complete script because mm. uh, the film kind of heavily relies on set pieces, which are its strength. It, it's very good in the set pieces and they're very entertaining. It's when yeah. actually things slow down and people have to talk to each other that it really you know shuffles along. Um, but the opposite thing is that I um I I kind of had this as a as a bit of a theory even before I saw the film. So this is a little bit of a, a you know a confirmation bias here that I'm I'm still sort of saying it. But uh, I, I feel like this this film was probably pitched as an original treatment of two films, and Sony basically told them you get one. So whatever you want to yeah, do, maybe, do yeah. it in that film. Um, because I, I, I don't think it would necessarily, I, I mean, I don't exactly know what the filmmaker's intent is. I've, I'm sure we will know about it in time, but I can't honestly feel that like they necessarily envisioned being a fan of the games, uh, to make one film that covers the events of, of two games when we know those plots can easily fill a 90 to two hour, uh, film plot. So, yeah, part of me is thinking that it was it was heavily kind of hampered by that because you really had to kind of 
smash all these kind of concepts together and you had to have certain characters string along different events to make everything kind of work you know you had to kind of closen the uh, relationships between characters that had no relation uh, in the original games again to make it work and so it's all a bit hodgepodge i think it does well um i think for fans it'll be coherent enough but for a general audience um i think it could definitely struggle like if i sat down with somebody and They'd never played Resident Evil. They'd never knew about any of the Resident Evil games or characters. We got to the end of the film. I feel like they'd have at least a dozen questions about different things that happened and why right. yeah. and what was going on. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my consideration with it. I mean, I certainly feel like there's probably maybe, I'd say there's at least a good 30 minutes of this film still left on the cutting room floor. And mm-hmm. as I've already said, probably a whole other film that was left in treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I'm 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 with you there. It's certainly an interesting topic of conversation in itself, what this film was intended to be or pitched at from the beginning. I'd be very curious like you to find out what that was. Um because it's a strange decision to have both. Largely it worked for me, I would say that much. Um and for a 90-minute movie, I'm fairly happy with the pacing, to be honest. Uh, I, I, w- I was shocked because I thought I'd already seen a lot more than I already had. So when they arrived at the mansion, I literally said out loud to my partner, this is going to be over before anything happens at this rate. We've only just got to the mansion now. But it, but by the end of the film, it didn't feel that way. Um, it, it, I felt the pacing was very, very well done, all things considered. Minor quibble, there's moments in both of the two locations of the mansion and... and um, on the other side, the RPD sort of side, let's put it that way for now, uh, where the sets of characters both find secret passageways at pretty much the same moment in the film, which is kind of awkward. But that is, you know, that's by the by. If you've got 90 minutes to work with, that's, it's just going to have to, to link up that way so that these characters can kind of meet up near the end. Um, that's not to say that the film couldn't have done without an extra 15 minutes on it. Absolutely. Or more. Uh, the third act was obviously, I think... It's generally agreed, and obviously I'd like to get everyone's opinion on it, but it felt very suddenly over, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. The film could have done with more time. But for considering it's 90 minutes long, I'm amazed at how well they kind of wrapped everything up slowly, kind of introducing you more to the city than the two iconic locations and, and some of the characters, like Claire and Chris especially. And then we got you get that moment where you see the RPD for the first time and everyone kind of went, that's cool, I'm sure. Um, and then we get to the mansion and stuff like that. It wasn't just bam, 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 bam. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I like when you think about the previous set of films, um, this one actually does have, whether or not you could call it a horror film, obviously it's down to your interpretation and what that means to you, but it definitely had a, a much slower pace uh, up to a point, which I thought was, was pretty cool. It's one of my high points actually is the way that it sort of, kind of unfolded as it went with the time code sort of things breaking sort of each chapter up as thought the pacing was really really good i think um james what's your take on the story the narrative the script etc uh the story is it's different (laughs) it's different from the games (laughs) like i enjoyed it like I, re- I really did. Like I, I put down in my notes that the story, the overall story, is like following the same beats of the game, but it isn't following the same rhythm. Like yeah. there, there is right. clearly, there is clearly branches off, and I was okay with that. Um, 
you know, I was completely okay with that. Uh, especially like me, I would be a hypocrite if I didn't say that because I like Remake 2 and Remake 3 as well, which are different. You know, they are also branches off. Um, and yeah, and I think that was mostly because of like, and I'll go into it more later on when we talk about setting and stuff like that, but I think it was mostly because of budget constraints. Like, sure. the thing with, like, Raccoon City being a ghost town is because of budget constraints, because they didn't want to put more people into the movie. Mm. Like, they didn't want to explain more because they had to put two games into one movie, you know? Um, now, how they did that, like, I was I was pretty confident they could do that, and they have done it. Um, majority of the movie, like you said, Sai, like, it was well-paced, but there were some really weird points um like you can tell just by watching it that they had to cut a lot from the film it's it's painfully painfully obvious that that's happened um and uh yeah so for instance like it either went in two ways either like a scene went on for way too long and i know i'm, I'm gonna be disagreeing with here but the scene with chris and what i've called the epilepsy warning warning right like, like, it went on way too long. I had to close my eyes. I was getting sensory overload, but I'll go into more of that later on. Or it was, like, too short. Um, like, some points in the mansion were way too short. I wanted mm. more. Mm. Um, but then, like, there were some really well-paced sections, like the orphanage. I really liked the orphanage section. Um, and to be honest, anything with Leon in it <laughs> was great. Yeah. Yeah. I, really, I really liked any section with him in it. Um, yeah, but... You know, it's not an original story, you know, it's because it's built on tropes and that's what Resident Evil is. Yeah. You know, so that's I I'm completely fine with how the story went. I was not blown away by it, but I was also not like I was disappointed in it. Like, this to me is Resident Evil. This is I watched it on the screen. This is what it is. Mm. And there are some clear changes. Um like can can we talk about like some like clear story changes? Sure. Just yeah. Quick, yeah. Like, because uh, I I feel like I'm going to be maybe in the this, a single camp here, but I really liked that Chris and Claire were connected to the orphanage mm -hmm. because it meant they had a stake, like mm -hmm. in things instead of just being blank character comes and does things, mm -hmm. like they actually had a stake in the story. Um, I really like that. I really like kind of the humanization of Lisa Trevor as well. I love that she got a positive story role. As everybody knows, I love Lisa Trevor. <laughs> While also keeping the mystery of it. They didn't go too far, although I really wanted them to. And uh, yeah, and the other thing, just quickly, transferring Jill's agenda and onto Claire. Um, like, what, what I mean when I say that is like Claire is now investigating the, quote, things going wrong in Raccoon City, um, which is lifting some weight so we can see the like the Star Squad kicking it in that, that cafeteria, which I really mm. liked. Really liked seeing them be human. That, that was one thing I loved about this movie. So I will talk about it more later, but characterization, I really liked the talky bits. I really liked all that. Uh, it made me happy. Um, but yeah, I could, I could go, but I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I, re I really liked the story. You know, that's fair. That's I, I can certainly see where you're coming from. I like that we had those scenes. Like, I'll say it now, um, the Star's Office scene, one of my favourite scenes from the film. Even though I don't think the script is uh, particularly strong, mm. it was cool to have it. Um, especially because, again, we're so used to the previous films that are just action set pieces constantly. Whereas 
yeah, I agree with what Jordan said. The set pieces in this film are, are definitely a strong aspect. But we also had other stuff as well. It wasn't just constant, tiring action like the final chapter became. Um, the changes to the story, I've got definitely a wealth of different kind of opinions. What I can say is a lot of the stuff that a lot, but not all of the stuff they did, I can understand why they did it. Mm. It's not necessarily true from the games, but it kind of helped the story that they are trying to tell in this film. Yeah. Like, like you were saying, Chris and Claire in the orphanage, it works. They also want to put Chris sort of closer to Dr. Birkin, which definitely needed more time. I think we need to see more of that for it to actually impact. But I can see what they were trying to do with stuff like that. I agree. I've definitely yeah. got stuff that I want to point out that was bad in that regard, but we'll, we'll come around again. We'll do some more of it in a moment. Um, Adam, let's get your view. I'm very interested to hear what you say on terms of the plot and the story, the narrative, the script, the pacing, everything that we've talked about so far. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be going in pretty hard on this movie, I think. So there's, it's my heads up. Um, I didn't think there was a plot. Um, I think there's a plot if you, are, if you know Resident Evil. And mm. I think that we are all disadvantaged watching this movie by knowing right. Resident Evil because we filled in all the blanks. If I had gone in to watch this film without knowing Resident Evil, it, she come like Claire goes to her hometown and then things just happen from there. Mm. There's no... I mean, Umbrella's already left. So your, your, your antagonist is, is gone. Um, Umbrella's already left the town to be a ghost town and then it doesn't I- explain anything. Like I said, we all subconsciously or knowingly have filled in all the blanks and I honestly think that's where we're getting our sense of plot from because we know there's going to be a mansion. We know the RPD. We know these characters and we kind of can't help. I mean, how many years has it been? We've lived with these characters for so long that we can't help but be biased to fill in the stories around them. And I feel like the, I tried to, when I watched the movie, like ignore as much of, of my own knowledge as possible. Right. And, and it just doesn't make sense. Like for an example, Irons is acting like he knows what's happens. We know he's a bad actor. We know he's um, part of, not part of, but influenced by umbrella. And that's why he's, kind of packing up his things before anything's really mm-hmm. happened. But that's never explained in the movie. He's mm-hmm. never explained to be a bad person or working with Umbrella. He's just suddenly, like, he's, a, he's like, talking to them jovially. He's like, you got to go check this out, like, blah, blah, blah. He's kind of being, like, the gruff police boss. And then in the next instant, he's like, right, time to get out of here. And then after that doesn't work out, he comes back and then starts acting in the best interest of the characters again, trying to get everyone to escape. It just, and again, like we know why he does that kind of stuff because he's a sneak, but you're never told that in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and I could film. say that, huh? Is, is he in this film? Is that the character yeah. that he yes. is in this film? Yes. It's the only I, way to, I thought actually, it was the opposite. It's the only way to explain him suddenly getting the hell out of there when nothing has really happened to them yet. I have to agree with Adam in that sense. Like the reason that he's panicking to get out of the sea is because he knows what's going on. That's what I got from it. But again, to Adam's point, 
I'm thinking that because I know that from the games. Even though they've changed his character and he's not this sadistic guy who goes around shooting people in the back, etc. anymore. That's what I picked up on it. And that's what I felt like was perhaps intended by someone who wrote and directed this and knows the story from the games. Um, arguably, that one, as Kelsey said, you could look at it from another perspective, potentially. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned um, people that are watching this film that don't have all this information embedded in their head because I had several conversations with my partner who has a vested interest in Resident Evil via me, but, you know, nowhere near the same degree. So that was one of many things that we talked about where it was like, how did you feel about certain things that I understood more because I already have that prior experience? You know, the there was stuff they kind of lightly touched on, Leon being hung over, but after they show you him drinking hair of the dog, after that, he, to her, he just kind of came across as sort of lazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And I, I mean, was like, I really like what they He's probably the most egregious, um, like, oh. and I get, it's a movie they can do what they want with, but if they're going to, if the director is going to tell you it's super faithful, right. then we'll, they we'll, owe it to be more faithful. Like, we'll and I don't mind. Right, we can talk characters. about characters. Characters sure. is yeah, definitely yeah. a whole other thing. Like, Oh, but that's just sure. the thing where it was like, I enjoyed that because I was like, cool, we actually get to see hungover Leon, you know, as right. he kind of should be really. Like, I was like, that's cool. But again, that doesn't necessarily translate for everyone. And there's a lot of things like this in this film. And, and all the good, all good stuff I've said about it, I've got like three or four things here where it was like, you didn't explain any of that. <laughs> right. And I, I will say for the, the plot of the film, like, like I, I just said there wasn't really any plot, but um, I also feel like there doesn't, in a film like this, there doesn't have to be like a super stellar plot. As much as we love Resident Evil and stuff, it's it's a, like for the majority of the audiences, it's a zombie film. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't need, like, so I, I, I can be lean. There's a couple of places I can be lenient on this film. Uh, the lack of plot is, is definitely a place I, it's not as big of a deal. And like I say, for us watching it, we fill in all the blanks anyway of the plot. Mm-hmm. We make the plot. We already had the plot when we went to see the film. Right, you know, absolutely. That, that's what the director has in... in uh, for fans, he doesn't really have to work so hard, but I feel like he just tried to shoehorn in so many references that it just sort of... For the, for the um, average um, moviegoer, it's not going to make any sense. Or mm. it's going to just come across as lazy filmmaking, right. which is what I think is happening. I don't know if it's that or if it's... Because 90 minutes, that seems like a very strange choice. And maybe with this film being... And we know this from sort of interviews with Johannes Roberts and stuff, that he's very inspired by John Carpenter, as he probably should be. You know, Resident Evil itself is inspired by John Carpenter, for one thing. So it's a great touch point. So is the film shorter because it's kind of an ode to classic films that aren't you know crazy long or was this something imposed by the studio that it needed to be shorter or what like how did that happen because if you had an extra 30 minutes to make this a two-hour film then you've got time to perhaps alleviate those problems because i agree with you umbrella in this film they're a non-entity okay that's fine that somewhat makes some logical sense for the story that they're trying to tell i'll get to that but you never get told who Umbrella really are or what they're doing. Like, you never no, get told nothing. what Umbrella's goal is, that they're creating weapons. That's not a thing. We don't know what the T-virus is for mm. or, or what's happened or what the G-virus is. 
Birkin says one line, which is incredibly vague, that doesn't explain what his experiments are about. That's the real problem. That's where the lack of plot is. Like, there's a lot of, like, the antagonists don't have any actual goals that they're shooting for. They're just kind of there. Lisa Trevor, she's in the orphanage. Okay, sure, that makes sense for Claire's character and story they want to tell about her experiences and why she's coming back because she's had these sort of like ghost stories in her head about this place and no one believed her but okay why is she wearing people's faces now like they <laughs> changed her story completely for this but it doesn't fit so it's just kind of could just be a girl in weird skin suit they didn't really explain anything about that there's a point in the film <laughs> where they're talking about how the virus is in the water which is an interesting change yep. that yep. winds up being and, completely um, and pointless. And all the police have been given supplements so they're right. immune to the virus. The police are immune to the virus, people. Yeah, I. that's more of a suspension of disbelief for me than the virus is spreading via cannibalistic attacks and all the cops are paid off to look the other way from umbrella things like they are in the games. It's much easier just to pay everyone off. And you've got that story already existing. And then you just put that into the Irons thing. And that explains why he knows so much. Because they've been bought out by Umbrella. But no, Umbrella has just been slipping them tablets. I just thought there was so much like missing information. And the information we did get just felt so offhand. It was bizarre. Um, but that's, yeah, there, there, there's some issues. I think we just go around again and sort of maybe do some rebuttals <laughs> to this. Because we definitely, there's some, there's some stuff. I feel like me and Adam just kind of. <laughs> change the tone of this uh kelsey defenses for this or maybe even your own problems with the film sure like i i just gotta say like i i do agree with like so much of what adam said like there <clears throat> sorry the um the, the plot isn't there and it relies a lot on you being a resident evil fan i completely get that and what you just mentioned about you know the the supplements and things like all I need. I don't need any more than the single lines we get in the film. Like that's the explanation we're gonna get. And I would love of the. I would have loved for this to have been two films and it to have been more drawn out. Mm. But that's not what we got. Um, there was a lot of times in this film where I rolled my eyes and I thought, okay, it's it's stupidly silly, quick exposition, and I would have liked more time to to hear more about it. As I've said, the the fact that it's not the same as the game makes absolutely no difference to me. Like I know um, some people in the chat have said, you know, the issue is the director was saying it was going to be faithful and faithful and faithful. And then it ended up not being at all. And I get that. That's a fair thing to be frustrated about. But for me, I can put that aside and just watch the film for what it is. And there was a lot of times while watching this, you know, because I was watching knowing that we were going to be doing the podcast the next day. So you kind of watch it in a weird way. Like I would have liked to have seen it twice. I probably mm. would have liked more time to think about the movie, but this is all very fresh. So I'm trying to watch it and think, oh, I'm like, oh, that was a bit crap. That was a bit crap. But then, like I said, other things that we'll get into happened that kind of made me get the film and see the film from a different way and kind of go, okay, right, I see what we've got here. There is some lazy, lazy filmmaking, oh, not lazy filmmaking, lazy storytelling. I think that's the way to put it. Um, be because it's a victim of cuts, like Jordan said, like it's so obvious. The runtime, it was our first concern, many people's first concern, not everybody, from the second the film was announced. Um, I would have loved to have been one and two in two different movies, but what we got here, like you said, Sai, they kind of made it work. There was some pacing issues for me, but it worked for what it is. And the lack of delving into reasoning and logic, I kind of think... For me, it went out of the window in the first 15 minutes and then 
sort of stuff was happening that I enjoyed. And then I saw the film more as like, it was closer to a theme park ride than, you know, masterful storytelling or anything like that. But, you know, this is, this is very similar to a lot of movies from the seventies and the eighties where characters say this cheesy dialogue that explains the plot in two seconds. And it's just not followed up on. It's not new. And there was a lot of times where I thought, I think this is intentional. And I think that's intentional. Some visual stuff, which we'll get into, which I, it absolutely has to be intentional because the director has done some other films, which are very different to this. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. Mm. Um, And I don't think the runtime was an ode to John Carpenter. I think that's a Sony and a budget thing. Um, But story-wise, just to wrap up, it is thin. There's a lack of plot. The explanation that it gives you in the title card, Umbrella was the biggest pharmaceutical company in the world. That's all I need to know, to be honest. And I get people's frustrations with it not being faithful. Characters I can't wait to get into because I've got some some thoughts there. But um, yeah, it's thin. It's surface level, but... I didn't need it. I really didn't need it. And I think we're, we are supposed to watch it as a Resident Evil fan. And I know, you know, this thing about filling in the gaps, I'm happy to do that. I don't, this film is for me as a Resident Evil fan. It's not for my mum. It's not for, you know, my cousin that's never played Resident Evil. And so I can kind of take it from that angle. But I do understand the criticisms that are being put forward. Yes, and for the record, whilst I've got all these issues with the story, I went into this film, and I said this when people asked what I was feeling about it, you know, beforehand. I just wanted a fun ride at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It was not going to be something where it was like, oh, they've made a, a great, great film. I didn't expect that by any stretch. And that is not to, you know, downplay any prior achievements of anyone that worked on this film. I just know, especially with the adapting to games thing, that it was going to be really hard to tell that story. Hell, just Resident Evil 2 by itself as a film, that's complicated enough, I think. Yeah. With so much, so many moving parts with just Resident Evil 2 if you were going to adapt that. So at the end of the day, I just wanted a, a good ride and all these issues that I have and there's other stuff that I haven't talked about, certainly. Um, I still enjoyed it as that, absolutely. Um, Let's pass it over, James. Uh, let's let's follow up with you. I'll pass the ball over. Any more thoughts on this kind of thing? <laughs> um, God, I had a thought and it's just completely left my mind. <laughs> um, there's so much going on because I Absolutely. feel so. I think the biggest thing I have a problem right now with the community, like with this film, is that you cannot do anything right. You cannot mm. do anything mm. right with this community. I'm going to get a little bit vitriolic here, right? If we were given everything on a platter, this is how this is done. And this, man, you would hear about it from the Resident Evil community, mm. right? But the fact, I'm going to compare it to a vastly superior film, right? Dune. <laughs> a lot of people, like, went into that, right? And they had no idea, new people, they had no idea, right, what it was all about. But they enjoyed it for some reason. And then they went out and then they looked into it, Right? Now let's bring let's bring it back to Resident Evil, vastly inferior film, right? Compared to that, in my opinion, anyway, right? There are still things you can look up, like, yeah, and you yeah, can ask sure. your friends. This is the reason why we go to the cinema. I don't know about everybody else, but I love going to the cinema. And maybe there's things I don't understand. If I'm with people, I come out and I go, "Why did that happen?" When and we have the discussion for about like an hour or two after. I mean, I know a lot of people in this room have. Like, mm-hmm. why did this happen? Why did that happen? Now, this film is not 
great. It's not. But it is a fun romp. It is a fun mm-hmm. time. Like, I had a blast with it. I just, you know, you really cannot do anything right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, in this community, you just can't. And, you know, it's never going to be right. And I think, you know, this is the way I look at RE. You can't do anything right, so you just have to deal with what you've got and then just give criticism, like constructive criticism, not saying, no, bad, because bad. Mm. You know, you have to be fair, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just, I, I, I feel like it's, be, it's being given a little bit of a, a tough a tough all right now. That's yeah, it. that's fair. I think, and obviously everyone's different for what they're looking for out of a film, but if you are framing it as just kind of like, a fun action thing with stuff that you recognize from video games, which I think is how a lot of us looked at this on the sort yeah. of lead up, then that's fine. Again, that might not be for everyone and what everyone's looking for. But, yeah. you know, as a Resident Evil fan, I had a lot of fun being like, hey, look, it's that thing. You know, we, we as a podcast, obviously, were the first reference in the film, as far as I could tell. First Ace Spray poster was the first thing you see that I was like, there's the first one. <laughs> and then it... <laughs> and, then, and then after that, it was just a lot of like, there's that, there's that graffiti from Resident Evil 2, there's this and that. I was That was good fun. Some of them were uh, terrible, <laughs> the references. I thought some of them were really badly done. Some of them, they could have even, they could have been more. There was, could have, there was spaces for more. And this gets back to way with what we were talking about, you know, like half an hour ago with the script. But why didn't the truck driver call his dog a maniac? Come on now. <laughs> I was <laughs> waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> you call him an MFer. You've got that word plenty of times in the script already. Call him a maniac. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. But, you know, true, that kind true. of stuff. Like I, I the, did it. The you know. dog that just bites him and then sits the there. Sister. And just watches him, <laughs> even though it's a zombie dog. Well, he's dead now. He's not interesting yeah. anymore. I don't know. I get you, though. It was a bit silly, but there you go. Um Jordan, let's pass it I will to quickly, you. Can I quickly go, go, go ahead? The James's point, who's like, "Well, it's Resident Evil. It's fun and that." It's like I understand that like we don't want to gatekeep things, um, and I think everything should be really available for everyone to watch. But you know, it's it's unreasonable for the person who made the film to tell the audience this is a super faithful. Uh, from mm. the games, it's gonna be super, super scary. It's false mm-hmm. advertising. Like you can't say things that just aren't true about a movie. I understand that. Like we can go and watch a movie and, and take what we want from it, but it's a different story entirely when you are promised certain things and then what you are given is not that. And we've all complained about stuff like that in the past. And I feel like we weren't given what was promised, you know, as a fan, you know, I wanted um, this movie to be good. I kind of felt like I knew it wasn't going to be good, but I could enjoy it. But honestly, I felt really shortchanged in almost every aspect of it. Yeah, I can certainly understand that point of view. Uh, Jordan, you've been sitting there nice and quietly. Any more thoughts on story, plot, issues and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I'll try and I'll try and strike a balance here. Um because I, I will certainly say that I am forgiving of this film. Um, I'm very much aware of that, mm. that this is a film that, um, I mean, in my notes, I did say that it kind of played a lot like a, a feature-length screen test, not necessarily something for public viewing, more of a kind of pitching the idea. This is, We can make a Resident Evil film. Look. Um, uh, but at the same time, it was very enjoyable. You know, if it was, if it was a... Feature-length screen test that just got leaked. It was a very enjoyable feature-length screen test. 
Um, but obviously, I know that I am, I'm being very forgiving uh, to a film that certainly has a lot of flaws. I suppose it's because, in part, in part, I know what issues it has in terms of a production. Like you, you could look at this film from a mile away and just, and just know that there's a, there's a ton of red flags that have been attached to it. And I don't know if that's been affected further by things like COVID and the scheduling. Um, mm. But you, could, you certainly could say it could be. Um, you know, why is it 90 minutes? Uh, who knows? It, it, it could be something to do with Sony wanting to get the film shown more on airplanes or something like that. Shorter right. runtime means it's more on more planes. I don't know. Um, but it, it, it certainly kind of, it, it is hamstrung because it's trying to deliver a lot and it has very finite resources to do it. This is a $25 million budget, which is lower than any of the Andersonverse films. Uh, and that's without inflation. Um, so, you know, we're looking at something that is incredibly modest. And while horror is a very uh, forgiving genre, I would say, I, th I think horror fans in general are quite happy to go and see a schlocky film as long as it's got the kind of, uh, you know, thrills and chills that they're looking for. And you can do that on, on just about any budget. But for how much it was trying to deliver, um, it, it, it was always going to overpromise. I mean, I, I know that there's probably going to be some people who are out of the loop and they're going to say, oh, where's Rebecca? Oh, where's Barry? It's like, we can barely afford like three scenes of some of the other characters in this film, let alone additional characters. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there is a certain amount of that that's true, that you can't please everybody. Um, but I also think that there's just going to be a portion of the fan base, you know, that that probably looks on this a little bit more... Um, as I say, forgiving to say, use that word again. Um, in a kind of a uh, Star Wars prequels kind of situation, you know, oh. so many, so many people came out of the Star Wars prequels with a kind of a bitter taste of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. That when the Force Awakens came came back and just and just provided something that was something closer to what they that they imagined Star Wars films to be, mm -hmm. um, that they were glowing in praise, even if it didn't necessarily earn it all. I mean, mm. if if you were to push me to give a rating for this film, I'd probably give it a four out of ten. Um, but I still enjoyed it as a four out of ten. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think it is a very good point that Adam makes that we are disadvantaged in that we can all pretty much fill in the gaps. Um, we're we're not necessarily having to try and piece this together on the fly as we go through the film. And it certainly is not my job to try and piece together or try and explain away why certain things happen. I was sitting there and. As I say, it was like it felt like a screen test. I kind of, I felt like I was sitting there and saying, "Okay, I tell you what, this would be a really good film. Like if you had maybe about 40, 45 minutes, or maybe split it, you know, um, at, you know, flesh it out, something like that." Um, but because everything was kind of rapid pace, what I did see, I really liked. Mm. I just knew that the potential was there. That if they if they could have fleshed it out. You know, you could have more scenes with somebody like Chief Irons that you could get that character across in the way that it's really intended to be. But there just wasn't the time for it. And I just, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I really don't want to be mean to this film just because I feel like it came from a far more honest place than any of the, you know, Andersonverse films yeah. came from. Yeah. Um, when, when the director says, when any director says that they want to be faithful, I truly believe that they they mean it, you know. Unless they're like Brett Radner or somebody like that. But like most of the time, <laughs> they that they, they do start with an idea, a dream that they they actually start scripting something that is 
based on something that they feel like would make a good film. Mm. Um, but there's a there's a lot of strings attached to it, um, especially with as we've already covered with Sony that they've got so many other films you know coming out uh, uh, right now that uh, it, it kind of got lost. And I think they just thought, well, let's make a shorter film, let's release it outside of Halloween, um, and just and just kind of push it out. And I I don't necessarily think I don't think there's necessarily a future for this film series, sadly. Mm-hmm. I think there will be plenty of other Resident Evil films, because it is... Man, I've, I've lost count of just how many pieces of content that game series has had. Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like Sony's probably just sort of dropped it off. It would have to do something in, insane with the numbers uh, and yeah. be super profitable uh... for them to, to, to change their minds. I would be amazed if there was a big turnaround in that. As we, this is why I asked at the beginning in terms of how everybody's cinema screenings were mm. like, because obviously that's a good barometer. And I don't think, I think it would be fairly surprised if this did get the sequel that there has been talked about a little bit. Uh, but there you go. I think they need to make ten million more just to break even on the budget. Right. And mm. Yeah, I know that hasn't had a lot of marketing, but obviously the marketing um, amount isn't included in in that. Uh, no, in the sure. amount of the budget, so that's even more money that would have to be recouped. It's very unlikely, I think. Yeah. One one other thing I just wanted to mention um, with regards to Lisa Trevor, I don't know a great deal about Lisa Trevor, but I immediately felt that this was probably going to be one of the most divisive sort of aspects of the film for mm. you know people who know the lore, and it's a it's a bit of a weird one because I mean my friend asked me like. Uh, you know, what would that film be like without Lisa Trevor? Uh, you know, could you, could you basically have the same plot work the same way? And I, sp- I suppose that is is true that, y- you know, you can make it work that way. But I, I do think it was, you know, as my, as my theory is that there was there was a laundry list of things that uh, basically the director wanted to put in this movie, mm-hmm. Trevor being one of them, and they figured out a way of, mm-hmm. of working it in. And I think it was natural enough. It It, it made enough sense, but still... As the character itself, you would be you'd have a lot of questions if you'd never seen it. Be like, all right, yeah, what is that? Where's it come from? Yeah, you know, and um, why is it so sort of you know integral? But yeah, that was that was a one that was it was it was an eyebrow raise as soon as it started. I mean, as soon as I saw like the first picture um, from the promotionals, I was like, how are they going to work this in? Um, But yeah, her whole her whole subplot worked well enough it's actually one of the more fleshed out ones you know mm-hmm. in, in yeah. a strange way um but yeah i i thought that was probably going to be the the thing that was going to confuse general audiences and it was going to divide resident evil fans yes i i already said that i didn't i i understand her place in the story as i said it works for the story that they're trying to tell by giving sort of her that relationship with claire and in the long run that's good because it gives Claire sort of those moments of sort of nurturing others that she needs to have to sort of round out her character. She gets that with Lisa rather than Sherry in this film, which is interesting. So that that's kind of nice, I guess. But uh, that doesn't mean that I liked Lisa Trevor in this film. Um, <clears throat> the portrayal was good. I like the way that she moved around, but her story, I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't like the change in backstory. Um, you know, for all the reasons you've said, it's just very confusing for the general audience and. For Resident Evil fans, um, she's a sympathetic monster in the games as it is. 
but this is too far in that direction. She's not she's not really a monster. Like in fact they didn't really they just said she's been experimented on. She could just be a girl wearing a weird skin suit. It didn't it was very, very odd and wasn't a massive fan of that at all. But that has sort of brought us into the character direction. So let's talk about characters. Um we'll go around again. Um and everyone just sort of pick a couple of characters that you want to talk about, not necessarily everyone in, in one go. Um <laughs> James, let's start with you. Sort of highlights and lowlights of characterization, casting, etc. Uh, so, I just want to do some general, like, kind of points on the characters first. Um, sure. So, like, the handing handing out of the personalities to the to each of these characters, uh, I really liked. Um, considering, um, yell at me, everybody, but the characters in Resident Evil One and Two didn't really have huge personalities. Um, so, other than what we see in lore. Um, uh, well, RE2 did, but RE1 didn't really. So it was nice to see that. Uh, and also, I will defend, and I think everybody else, you know, mostly everybody else, actually, I think everybody will defend here the choices of the characters' aesthetics, how they look. Um, they look great, and I knew precisely who everybody was as well, you know, um, including Brad Vickers and uh, Richard Aiken, uh, mm. the, uh, the <laughs> honorary red shirts. um and i I do i do feel also that every character held their own um and were great movie adaptations in my opinion um of the characters um that uh i love uh but my favorite characters man you told me to select only a couple um i'm gonna choose i'm gonna i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with jill first Oh, I, okay. I, re- I really like Jill. I thought she was she was very confident. She was funny. Uh, she was sharp. She was super driven. Um, unlike kind of her game counterpart, who was very wooden. Um, she was kind of a blank canvas. And Hannah brought like a unique take on that uh, to us uh, with Jill. I, I also loved that she was a bit of a brat. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just love that. Um, and everybody knows how much I dislike kind of Chris in general, but Robbie really did well with Chris, in my opinion. Uh, made him really likable, made him into this prankster. Um, he always set the mood of the scene as well. Um, especially that scene. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing when Claire breaks into his house and she just puts the helmet over his head and they're having this argument with the helmet over her head. <laughs> I just, because I was like, that is such a brother and sister thing to do. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was so funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, honorary mentions Bemba Tolucci was great. I love Lisa Trevor. I loved Wesker and how human they made him mm. um, as well. But uh, yeah, I'll probably chime in with other folks as well. But, yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Carry on. Um, so, m- in response to that, you've picked a character I think was a slam dunk. Uh, and one that is almost certainly the worst character for me. Uh, Chris, you know, agreeing with you, Chris is easy. Like, his personality <laughs> is very easy to... to any, I don't want to say anybody could play Chris Redfield, but it's not a complicated character. Right. But that being said, and I said this when they announced who was going to play him, I was like, that is 100% what they needed. Uh, he yeah. was fantastic at Chris. Where, when he was on... Even before he was wearing the outfit, like you were like, "Yep, he feels like Chris." It's Chris Redfield, just his demeanor was right. Um, yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, the costume um, department for him as well was great. Just easily, easily done, and they pulled it off. So good for them. For me, I think Jill is 
probably the biggest misstep of the whole film. Um, what I would agree with is that uh, the actress did a fantastic job of what she was given. And I do, I do agree with you in the sense that, like, you know, the brat stuff and, like, her personality was kind of fun. Um, I disagree that, well, whilst, yes, she's wooden in RE1, her personality much more develops in Resident Evil 3 onwards and stuff. So it's sort of, like, sarcastic and sort of driven and this sort of thing. I'm all for we're casting who fits the character and not who looks most like the character. Completely fine with that. In terms of the casting, that's fine. Whatever, it's all good. I'm totally behind, you know, we've cast her because she's going to best play the character of Jill Valentine. It's like, okay, well, I look forward to seeing that. Where was that character for me? They just mm-hmm. put Jill Valentine's name on another character. That's what I felt like. Uh, it just, it, it was bizarre because everyone else, whilst there was changes to other characters, this one was just not, it wasn't Jill in, in the slightest. And I would, and again, that's what we got to back to when we're talking about the story, going back to that. It's kind of like, well, I was promised, you know, faithfulness. And this is not Jill Valentine in the slightest. I was really hoping that her following Wesker, electing to follow Wesker, was going to turn into this big reveal that she knew something has been up this whole time and she's kind of like been keeping an eye on him. But no, she was just kind of like a dumb golden retriever for me. I didn't like it at all. I know that's probably, in terms of the community, quite a popular opinion. I don't think it's got anything to do with the casting. I just thought the writing of her was absolutely terrible. That's not necessarily reflective of the rest of the cast. I've got lots of good things to say. I'm glad I can get that out of the way and say positive things. But uh, yeah, was not a fan. Jordan, uh, a couple of characters from you. Positives, negatives? Overall, I thought the the cast was well-suited. Um, it did not take me long to to warm to the characters as their characters, which I thought was a point of success for the film. Because, uh, I mean, Anderson first had plenty of video game characters in it, and I rarely felt like they were actually mm. sort of the the game characters leaping into the silver screen, as it were. Uh, whereas here, I was just kind of like, well, no, I can I can understand these being those being those characters you know people people like leon came across right away as Mm. as the rookie cop um in in all the matters that you would you would want i mean it's probably a bit more achievable of a role than you know we we might think it's 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 more sort of tropey really but they they fit the roles well and uh yeah i i think as far as uh, like you know, the best casting, it probably would go to Chris because he's he's the most Chris casting that I could imagine, <laughs> and he is he is absolutely the pro gamer of the group. Like he's just <laughs> he gets such a high kill count in this, and it was I was I was almost <laughs> chuckling to myself at points because I was just like he's just so good at this um, that when he gets to like the the finale and sort of like the you know the the final boss. Um, he's he's one shotting all of the eyes. It's just going from eye to eye to eye. He's just popping them off, and I was just like, "He's this isn't his first run. <laughs> this this he he chooses mountain every time, you know." <laughs> um, but I mean, as as yeah, I I felt like uh, some of the characters were as developed as they could be for as much screen time as they got. Mm. Um, I actually quite liked. Uh, Chief Irons, even though he it, it really was there for like a hot minute, and that's about it. Um, but th- to me, the film that the film needed obviously point of view characters, and I think the the two point of view characters that I would say um, stand out the most 
and and the kind of the the story as it is sort of hinges on are the Resident Evil Two characters, the, the, uh, Leon and Claire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire has the agency. She's coming into Raccoon City. She has a purpose. She's she's you know looking uh, for something in particular and and you know try and figure this all out. Uh, Leon, on the other hand, is having everything happen to him and around him. He has a lot of characters um, that are sort of in his orbit, and and that obviously uh, lends us uh, a view to what is, what else is going on around Raccoon City. Um, whereas things like uh, Chris and Wesker, they're they're there, and they certainly obviously have their screen time where they are the POV. But I wouldn't necessarily say that the film hinges on uh, their experiences. It's more kind of like, well, let's go see what they're doing. Um, Wesker kind of confused me. Um, I thought it was interesting the way that they went with it, but I'm not necessarily sold on it just because mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I could barely read what, what Wesker was actually doing. I couldn't tell whether he was just faking it, um, you know, whether he actually was the uh, you know a proper mastermind of all of this, or was he a completely different character and he was just like slightly evil dude, bro, which it, it kind of was <laughs> in the end. He was. He yeah. was more just opportunistic. But, I mean, obviously, uh, most of these actors I, I do not know, with the exception of um, Neil McDonough, um, who kind of, if you see him in a movie, you kind of know what the budget's going to be to begin with anyway. Um, this, is his <laughs> fourth, this is his fourth video game movie, by the way. I did yeah. go and look it up because I did wonder. Sonic, Street it. Fighter, Company of Heroes wow. now, Resident Evil. Um, <laughs> he came across well. Uh, again, had very very little screen time to work with. Um, and all of his lines were purposeful, but they did feel like they probably needed quite a few other scenes to even add the context. But again, you know, he kind of hams it up, um, you know, when he actually transforms and it, and it works. And yeah, every, everything felt natural enough for the film that this was trying to be. Mm. Yeah, I largely would agree with a lot of what you said. Um, the casting choice for Irons was great. Uh, he did wonderfully. I, actually, I'm very curious to see what he would have done if they had sort of put the sort of wicked side in there that he has uh but that being said um he did great with what they gave him um yeah just big 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 fan birkin for me was yeah it was fine no problems at all uh I, you know i liked him sort of gloves are off at the end where he's sort of like taunting chris and stuff like that that was pretty cool um for me just to add, just to add on top of that um i think wesker's thing is quite interesting because and there was a group there was like a line of guys in front of us actually in the cinema and uh, six or seven guys and when we came out i overheard them discussing the film as we got past and they one of them all i really heard was one of them saying wesker's arc was the most interesting part of the story and i actually kind of sort of agree with that to a certain extent because as we said there's a lot of stuff that they don't bother to explain for the for the casual audience but for people that aren't big Resident Evil fans, that's something that you're kind of interested in because it's got a lot of questions that could potentially be answered in that film, like who is Wesker working for? Why is he doing this? Where you know where does this tunnel lead, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I think it was an interesting swap to have him do the kill, uh, you know, uh, in the lab. I thought that was that was kind of cool. And the post-credit sequence, I was very much laughing out loud at the sort of ridiculousness of it all. But I'll tell you what, it's pretty close to the law, to be honest. You know, they're putting <laughs> him with that character and like, okay, well, we're trying to take down Umbrella or we're sort of like on a, on a sort of like rival path. So <laughs> it, was, it was it was a big change in terms of Wesker's character. But he is more like a realistic person in this. Because the Albert Wesker character in a, in a grounded film 
he's kind of ridiculous. Um, I think, especially the Wesker interpretation that they would have taken, which would have been five more than Resident Evil One. Let's face it, because that's the big popular portrayal. Um, so I guess it was it was interesting from that. I didn't actually have too much of an issue with that, like I did Jill. Um, Adam, any positives in terms of characters, and who did you hate the most? I think I know the answer to this one. I'll one hundred percent agree with you with Jill. Um, she shows signs of having a character in the diner. Uh, definitely not the character I'd associate with Jill, but she shows something. Oh, and I, then yeah, she's, absolutely. But yeah. then she's just dropped for the film. Basically, she's just following around Wesker with a gun. Like mm. she doesn't do anything else of note. I don't think. Um, I, Leon was ho- like I understand. This is probably the most divisive character from what I've read about the movie. But Leon was just done so dirty, just so. Such a poor, like you know me. I'm a Brad Vickers guy. I love Brad Vickers, but if you and you, Brad Vickers was in this film. Like, if you want a comedy character, and you have, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Letter Kenny, the comedy series. Oh yeah, but very funny. But the character who plays Brad Vickers is in that, and he's freaking hilarious. He's like a really good comedy actor. He doesn't do anything in this film. Like, if you want some comedy, have it coming from one of those characters that people would completely accept. Um, and just a heads up, in the credits, he's just known as Vickers. Why they got to do my boy dirty like oh, that's, that? Yeah, that's true. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, Leon just wasn't a good character. Um, and I could accept a character like that in a movie. But again, the whole, like, it's a faithful adaptation thing. Leon's just a complete ignorant bumbling fool who doesn't even hear like a truck explode 20 feet away from him while he's listening to Christina Aguilera asleep at the front desk. Mm -hmm. Like it just was a horrible uh, version of that character. You know, if we're talking about characters that we feel aren't good, it was a terrible version of that character. Um, I liked a handful of characters. I did like the Wesker character a lot. Uh, I think that actor has um, a good screen presence, mm-hmm. and I think he's mm-hmm. pretty charismatic. Um, I really liked Irons as well. I know I said earlier about him sort of flip-flopping back and forwards, but obviously that's not... That's that's his character's written issue. I actually really like Donald Logue, and I yeah. felt he did a good job with Irons, you know, with what he had to work with Mm. um claire was fine um she was kind of the the main character i would say you know obviously we followed her journey for the most part so i thought she was she was um enjoyable and fine to watch she she wasn't super egregious i really didn't like the whole chekhov's gun thing where she like for some reason she's the one that's really good at lock picking um and she picks like into Chris's house with a knife um, from a deadbolt, apparently. So that's a good skill. Um, but I expected that to go somewhere. You know, that was a, a like I say, a Chekhov's gun moment when you're like, oh, this character's really good at lockpicking. And then that is the only <laughs> reference of lockpicking in the whole game. And it's the wrong character. You didn't even need to put it there. Mm. Yeah, Just, that's fair. Ugh. I can see that. The only um, thing I can say that that might be an indication of is how different the siblings are and the, and the sort of their paths of life. Cause you know, yeah, Chris, sure. Chris is like, Chris is doing, you know, very well. He's, 
you know, yeah. kind of like, you know, favored out of the two. And yeah, you know, she's a bit of an outcast daddy. in the town. Yeah. And she's coming home. She just has to break cool. into the home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, it's a shame in the sense of Brad and Richard. Uh, and again, this is just another issue on where it's like, yeah, 15, 20 more minutes, 25, anything. I'll take anything because these characters were fairly interchangeable, the, to be honest. The truck driver shame, got but... more character exposition than almost all of these right. people. I mean, the it's truck a shame. driver got like a whole section where he's like, he asked if he killed that woman like 30 times. He got more lines than a lot of other people that needed lines. Right. But the, again, it comes down to the sacrifices of the story that they're trying to tell for the film. Mm-hmm. So I'll take it. Um, and what Jordan said about some people that might be wondering where Barry and Rebecca and stuff are, but there did need to be a couple of stars members in here that were going to meet their fate. So you can't spend too much time with them because we need to sort of focus on all the other characters. There's a lot of major characters in this, you know. So I, I sort of get it. It's a shame. And if they'd had more time for a few more like character moments and jokes and stuff, that would have been good. But there you go. Um, I <laughs> Leon might be the best character in the film for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh... <clears throat> that's not without its big glaring issue. I think that there's one line in there that I really didn't like. In fact, I'm not overly keen of the fact that he's sort of like. It, it, Sort of get the idea that he's pushed into the academy by his family is a bit needless. Um, again, it's a completely arbitrary change. Even the idea that he doesn't want to be a cop, just that, that's, I don't like that. That seems like a completely pointless, arbitrary change. It doesn't actually impact the arc that he went through, which I thought was actually pretty good. Uh, this sort of like way out of his depth rookie who's being picked on, and he's also hung over again. Just a couple more minutes and we could explain why he's hung over and really hammer that home for the general audience. Um, but I liked him being way out of his depth and very true to the video game, asking, you know, people just keep walking away from him and he's trying to understand what the hell's going on. Um, but he's just, he just doesn't have it in him necessarily to lead while everyone's got their own sort of goals and stuff going on, which feels very true to Resident Evil 2. Um, and then, of course, by the end of it, he gets the the cool moment. So I, I, I think the betrayal was really good. He did feel like Leon to me. Aside from the "I don't want to be a cop" line, sort of implication was a bit bit weird. But beyond that, I was, I was very happy with the sort of like the the theme and the mood of uh, Leon in this. Uh, Kelsey, I'm going to pass it over to you for characters, positives, and negatives. Sure, man. Like I wish we could talk about this all day. Seriously, like there's so much to say, and, and I. Like I, I, I can't really go back and like there's so much I agree with that's been said and then there's stuff I don't agree with. But so I'll just kind of focus on my thoughts and just put it out there. Um, so firstly, yeah, huge, huge fan of Leon, Irons, uh, Ben even I thought was quite good. And I'm going to be a Jill defender as well. Uh, Leon, I think leaning into the rookie stuff really worked for me. Some of his dialogue is obviously a bit poor, but I think actor did a tremendous job with what he had. Uh, it is not the Leon from the games, really. I mean, that's you. I'm not going to argue with that. And this one, this Leon is way more aloof and kind of shunned a little bit by his dad, his family. He's not reliving really his dream here. And I sort of bought into that. And he has some of my favourite moments in the film. And his reactions to stuff was good. And I just want to pick up on the, uh, you know, the, the sort of criticism for him being stupid. It's like, 
he wasn't really stupid. He was hungover. And I'm buying into the hungover thing hard here. Being asleep at the desk. Uh, it was Jennifer Page, by the way, not Christina Aguilera. Oh, sorry. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was Crush, right? Yeah. It was yeah, Crush. Yes, yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, I, I'm just going to say this now. That scene is one of my favorite scenes in any zombie movie ever made. Like, it was full-blown sort of old-school zombie movie, which by the way, are funny. Like, those old Romero films have so many comedy moments in them. And uh, I'm going to jump back to that point in a little while, but I just wanted to defend that spot because him being passed out, listening to that music, yeah, I I loved that. Um, Irons was hilarious. Great delivery from the actor. Again, nothing really like the games, but for me, that was fine. Uh, I actually took him as, as more of a bumbling idiot that had kind of, like, all the good police officers had left and so he was like the most senior one left and just happened to be fall into the chief role. And that's why, you know, he's not very imposing. You know, he's kind of maybe just a few steps above the other officers, the stars members or whatever. Um, and everybody else is buggered off. Um, Ben, I liked Ben. I thought the way he tied the film together was good, although very brief. I actually think he had the actor, despite saying the F word too, way too much. His facial expressions and stuff, he had one of the better performances in the movie. Yes, he really stupidly doesn't see the zombie standing next to him, but there's lots of dumb moments in the movie like that, which kind of when I get to more sort of visual stuff, I'm going to talk about why I think they're there. Um, and Jill, as I said, I'm a defender of Jill. Um, it feels like in this movie that she could kind of kick the ass of any one of the stars members. But then she she cares. She gives Leon, as we've mentioned, that bit of a welcome in the diner. She actually saves Wesker from the helicopter. And then once she discovers what Wesker's doing, she's like, no, we've got to go back and tell Chris that Vickers is dead. I'm going back for Chris. And she saves Chris. And she, I think Jill is... Pro- possibly the biggest hero in this movie. Like, I think she saves more people than anybody. I think she even mm. starts to drive the train at the end. Mm. Um, so I have a lot of time for this interpretation of Jill. Again, nothing like it's nothing like the games, but this idea that these characters don't, uh, lots of these characters don't embody their versions from the games, it just doesn't bother me at all. I'm, I don't need that. It's cool to see little threads, and like we mentioned, Chris was was faithful, if you like. But I, I don't mind that they're different to the games. I'm happy to see these new takes. The dialogue does not help a lot of the characters, as I've mentioned. But personality-wise, there was lots of new stuff. And so Leon, Irons, and Jill in particular, I really, really liked. Not too much to really say about Claire. I thought she kind of trailed off the sort of latter half of the film. Really strong in the first half, the second half. She didn't even really say much in the second half. She got some good shots off with her gun. Um, but yeah, I felt like the movie kind of mm. cooled on Claire a little bit um, and then focused way more on Chris and Leon and Jill. And Jill. Um, Acting-wise, yeah. generally good across the board. We've mentioned the Wesker thing as well and the changes there. Fine, some some humanising to Wesker. I'm good with that. You know, said he was never going to pull the trigger. I like that. And... Jordan mentioned again, a lot of these characters are a victim of the runtime, which we keep bringing up. There wasn't so much room to explore huge arcs. I'm with you, Sai. I think Leon is the best character in this film. I think from the moment he's there, wakes up with the duvet above his head to the very end. (laughs) I enjoyed. I enjoyed him in this film. He does some stupid, silly things, but I think there's a clear reason for it. 
And yeah, they're kind of my main thoughts. I'm not going to get too much into Lisa Trevor. Again, not enough screen time. Um, mm. Birkin, again, not enough screen time. I keep coming back to this point. Um, but for those key characters that I mentioned, they are so wildly different from the games, but I really enjoyed them in this film. And yeah, it's... I I can't I I've seen uh, a lot of um before before I saw the movie actually and then just after last night I know that there's lots of fans that their biggest complaint uh, is the characters because they're not like the characters from the games and I just can't really get on board with that as a criticism this isn't the game it's a movie it's its own thing and yeah big thumbs up for the characters generally across the board despite some weak script and you know uh, short screen time for a lot of them mm. that's fair i just before we move on quickly wanted to touch on that scene since we've had complete reverse opinions on the crush scene um yeah i'm uh, i'm with i'm with you adam i thought it was uh, <laughs> one of the one of the worst parts i'm notorious i'm sure i've said this before i'm notorious for if you're making a unless you're making a comedy zombie film don't put a comedy think, zombie in your zombie film. I thought it was I think this... unrealistic for one night. It took me way out of the film that Leon, okay, he's hung over and whatever asleep, but the exploding gas canisters, that's a bit of a stretch. Then the flaming zombie war, like wandering into a pop song from 1989 and then getting shot in the head. That was too silly and it really did take me out. I could have done without that, but that, didn't spoil the it's thing. It's fair enough. It is fair enough, and I do see that point of view, and I think that's the moment, to be honest with you, when that happened, it's a, this is about 21 minutes into the film, uh, when that happened, I it flipped my view of the film for me, and I was like, right, okay, so they're doing things like this, and I've got to say, like, that was, like, it was as funny as anything in, like, Shaun of the Dead or something like that, and I know Shaun of the Dead is more of a comedy, but this film, in more than one occasion, leans into the comedy, and then I think yeah, sure. back to... I think back to what the director said and he mentioned the faithfulness and want it to be dark, but on multiple occasions, he said this film is going to be fun and funny. And there are multiple times where I laughed and I, oh, totally. I died laughing with that scene. And it's so, it's a very old school scene. Like I said, there's comedy in the old Romero films and uh, I'm, I'm just going to bring forward the point, And I think maybe this is more of a personal thing. Uh, so when I was at uni, we made a zombie film, right? And there was two two needle drops in our zombie film that were very similar to this. And one of them uh, was the La the Lambada. Does everybody know that song? The um, mm -hmm. it's like do 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 that one. And oh. we put it like we put that in our zombie film because it made us laugh and it it kind of it so just contrasted, you know, the gore that was on screen and stuff at the time. So when I saw that in this film, I was I just got it. I saw what they were doing and it made me realize that this is not supposed to be a tense movie. It has a couple of minor tense moments, but they lean into the fun and I was on board. And I think it was a turning point in the film, but I do understand why people think it's silly, but I'm firmly on the side of, it was one of my favorite moments in a zombie film ever. <laughs> I'm <Wow>. sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. No, that's completely fine. Like, I, can, I can see where you're coming from, totally. It's just... Sure. I'm, I'm, I want the fun and the comedy in the film. I'm, I'm totally right. I loved um, whatever Leon said was like, you know, put your hands up and put your gun down or whatever. And she's like, I don't have a gun. <laughs> that was my favorite bit for that. Um, I just, I don't, you can have the fun and the comedy. I just wouldn't have the zombies being fun and comedic for me personally. But it's a, it's a taste thing. Um, quickly, before we move on for the BOWs, whilst we're on the characters, I just want to also uh, put it out there that whilst 
it's great to sit here and discuss um, portrayals and stuff like that. I don't think anyone here thinks that any of the actors or actors did terrible with what they were given. And I don't think, even if that's the case, discussing the film, discussing the characters and everything like that is fine amongst yourselves. Of course, it should be encouraged. Uh, the difference is, is when you start to get horrible, cruel and weird about it. Um, yeah. So obviously some sort of solidarity and some thoughts with Avala. Yeah, we and, don't condone that. And Hannah, who have, you know, some of the fandom out there, um, off basically right yeah, yeah. and i'll yeah. say i'll say with Ivan, i i actually very much enjoyed his performance i think he's a good actor and i think he did a great job he was super charismatic and like mm. you guys said he was probably the standout character my issue is with how the character was written um oh, I, I didn't like him as jill. leon i thought he was great in the movie yeah that's the same thing with me and jill uh, i think she yep. did great what she was given it's just not what i wanted and that's fine I don't need right. to just, you know, I don't need to be a dick about it on the internet. And now, reading the file, Operation Report from Resident Evil 2 2019, Rush Hanks, who you can find on Twitter at High Voltage Rush. September 28th, 2.30 a.m. It's down to just me and three others. No weapons, no ammo and too many skirmishes have drained us mentally and physically. We're not gonna make it. <sighs> Officer Phillips once suggested we escape through the sewers. Apparently, there's a secret tunnel under this place left over from its museum days. I brushed her idea off before, but now, it's not sounding all that bad. Yeah, there's no proof there's even a tunnel, or that the sewers aren't infested with zombies. But I don't want to sit here and wait to die, either. It's a long shot, but I'm going to try to find out what I can about that tunnel. Elliot Edward. Uh, let, let's move swiftly on, because we have plenty to talk about. Uh, let's talk about monsters, let's talk about B.O.W.'s. Um, you know, we've got zombies, zombie dogs, Lisa Trevor, if you'd like to fit in here as well. There was a liquor appearance. We had crows, uh, base and Birkin. So the vast majority of stuff that you would expect from remake two. And there was even a very nice little reference to the hunter that I appreciated that some people may or may not have yeah. picked up on. Yeah. That was cool. Uh, let's talk about monsters. Um, Jordan, any standouts for you? What did you like and not like about, uh, creatures and effects and that kind of thing? I kind of came away not necessarily having a great deal to say about uh, the monsters, even though that should be the thing that you talk about the most with Resident Evil. Mm. Um, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was curious about kind of the, the sort of the liberties that were sort of taken with the, the zombies, you know, for for better or worse. Um, the way that they sort of handled it more kind of like not so much the zombies, but more sort of the, the infected and sort of how they kind of get there. Mm. Um, talking mainly about the party outside of the RPD gate. Right. Um, I mean, in the, in the credits, I noticed that they referred to um, some of the actors who play the zombies as Chernobyl zombies. Um, so they're obviously kind of going in that kind of way of like, Oh, it's like some kind of, you know, poisoning and mm. they're sort of slowly sort of decaying in that kind of manner. Um, but, I mean, they're certainly creepy, and the actual zombies in the mansion, I felt were very 
uh, they felt very faithful. It, it made it made a lot of sense um, the way that they kind of came across, and yeah. it was probably again probably you know one of my sort of favorite parts really. Um, so it comes across well in that respect. As far as like the the main monsters though, uh, it was a bit it was a bit hit or miss. Um, uh, you know, even even if you sort of suspend your belief based on the budget uh, for things like the liquor and um, you know for broken final form. Uh, you you do have to kind of stretch it just because the the effects are not necessarily there. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 my view. Largely is um, they they kind of a lot of the other um, you know boss. Well, uh, sorry, a lot of the other monsters don't necessarily get much in terms of uh, an explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing we know is that throwaway line from the guy in the prison cell that basically says, "Oh, you know about the G virus, and you know it changes people." Um, that's it. So it's like, yeah. okay, I guess these are people who've changed way fast, and mm. you know now we've got liquors. Um, so yeah, it's certainly certainly a, a cool list of uh, characters and creatures to kind of feature in in this film. I, I thought it had a, a decent balance in that respect. Um, you know, you got your dogs, you got your crows. Yeah, it, it kind of works on a number of different levels, um, but nothing necessarily that stand out. You, I started laughing to myself there because I can't believe that the first Anderson film has more explanation for the liquor than this one does. But that's the case. But there you go. Um, <clears throat> I'm with you. Actually, I was really concerned up to a certain point in this film with the zombies. I was really not keen on the fact they were like talking and stuff. To be honest. And, uh, you know, the, the, I wasn't really thinking about it, but also visually I was like, just a little bit odd. Uh, I was quite unhappy with it. But then there's the moment when you feel, see the first real zombie, you know, the turnaround classic Mr. Peruke. You're like, okay. Um, and that's cool. And it kind of makes sense that what you've seen before is like mid-transformation. I, maybe that was just me that I didn't pick up on that beforehand. But you suddenly get that moment of like, Oh, this is the full whack now. They've it, it's it's over. They've completely transformed um, from sort of I assume more exposure to this magical T virus water than the people in town because they didn't tell you there was. Well, they did say there was an outbreak, but they, again, it's just so poorly explained. But when the actual zombies came out, I was like, "Cool, the zombies are cool." Um, I wasn't massively keen on the infected beforehand, but it does sort of slot together nicely by that point. Um, Adam, what did you think of BOWs? Any standouts, good or bad? Uh, yeah, I, I, I liked the the few brief like crow sightings we got. I thought they were mm. they were very cool. Um, that was a very well done. I know. I mean, it was obviously CG, but it was it was a nice little effect on the crow. Uh, the dogs looked rough, honestly. Like, I mean, look at the first Resident Evil film. The dogs looked great in that. The practical, practical, actual, yeah. Yeah. Like, I wish they would have just done that. I mean, I don't know what the budget difference is between like having to create a full CG like animal and place it into a scene or, or getting a dog handler. I don't know what that costs. Mm. But I wish they had done that. The zo- I completely agree with you with the zombies. Like once we got into actual zombies, they were fine. Some of the uh some of the makeups were a bit weird. Um but the kind of pre-zombies were just 
so weird. Like, especially at the beginning when they did, like, the weird, like, hills have eyes kind of zombies. Right. They had, like, the mum and the kid with, like, for some reason had, like, really big heads. (laughs) And, like, it was just odd. Uh, Very, very, very odd kind of B.O.W. there. The Burke and B.O.W. was pretty cool when it was more of, like, kind of a mix of practical effects and CG when he was, like, transformed. Mm. Um, that looked pretty good, but obviously the final form just looked very, very, very computer generated. It wasn't fantastic. Um, but I didn't, yeah, it wasn't, it was fine. It wasn't anything great. I really didn't like the talkie zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I didn't really have too big of an issue. I mean, they were, they were more of a, a push to make the, uh, the scene moves, you know, the scenes move, which is probably what monsters should do in, in these sort of films. Sure, yeah. Um, and we did get to see the fight we never knew we wanted, which was Lisa Trevor versus a liquor, um, which I just kind of laughed at. It made me laugh so much because of my knowledge of, you know, like how I feel about Lisa Trevor. And now I've kind of thought about her over the years and uh, to have her like, legit just like <laughs> snapping like a, a licker's face and half. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. But like stupid, but it was good. <laughs> it, was, it was stupid, but yeah, hilarious. The CGI was pretty bad for that scene uh, to be honest. Yeah. But again, you kind of just have to overlook that. I, I agree with you. That, again, the crows sort of bad CGI, but it was cool that they were there. I found them kind of funny, if nothing else, but it was cool to yeah. see them. You know, uh, that one's awesome because you know, speaking as a fan, it's like there were so many things that we didn't get to see in re- you know remake two and remake three that were left from the originals and crows for good reason, I think, not being in there as an enemy, uh, and then getting to see them in the movie that was kind of like a nice little payoff for that. Um, <laughs> there was this is probably more a point for like later, but there was a bunch of stuff in this film where they like really hang on a few shots for like an extra second for no reason. There was one with a crow where. It like hits the diner window and you just see it for a long time oh yeah like it pans down and then it's yeah. just like 10 seconds of a crow and, uh, and you're like okay yeah you know the reason for that is and this is a first aid spray deep lore episode three reference it's because the crow's the main character and that's a reference that <laughs> <laughs> only a few people will truly appreciate there you go um but yeah i i agree with you i loved the the, the final birkin was yeah it's all right but i re- actually really loved the transforming Birkin, seeing the eyes pop out and seeing the monster side grow. CGI, again, not great, but he's a big movie monster, so it's going to look yeah. cheesy. And it, it, it was, it, it it was kind, of, kind of dampened by, like, again, the script where he's like, where are you, Chris? Like, dancing around, like, yeah, yeah, mocking Chris. Like, I thought you were Chris's daddy, basically. Like, it does, I didn't understand where why he was suddenly like, I get to kill Chris. You're like, I thought you guys were like, uh, well, firstly, Chris wasn't even there. So, ha- like, before Birkin was shot, so how do you know Chris is there? Again, there's. <laughs> I, I'm really excited to see what the Blu-ray release for this is like because there's yes. got to be deleted stuff around that. It has to be. Yeah. Um, James, thoughts on monsters and BOWs and such? Yeah, they're right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm gone. laughs> um. No, I, I really want to talk about that liquor scene because I feel, feel like I liked that liquor scene way more than everybody else did. I, I will it. say, James, the uh, the when the lights are kind of getting knocked, that and was I was like, well, that, 
that's clearly a liquor. Like, that and that was, was kind cool. of awesome. Well, do you know yeah. what? Like, I wasn't, I didn't even click. I, did, I was like, what is going on here? Is that, <laughs> what is that? Like, so I was actually scared at that point. It's the only time in the movie where I've, oh, actually, no, there was a couple other times. I'll speak about them later. But that, like, was one of the moments in the movie where I was actually, oh, this is actually scary. This is a really unique way to introduce something. And then when I saw the tongue take irons, I was like, holy, sh- holy crap, there's a licker here. That's cool. And then yeah. um, just seeing Lisa, like, absolutely dumpster <laughs> this liquor was so cool yeah like yeah i almost whooped in the cinema when she snapped his skull <laughs> yeah. like i was like yes and like in in my eyes you know i know i know we've we you know as we've discussed we fill in a lot like i you know we know what liquors are right we know that they're old you know and we know that this place this orphanage is a place that experiments were done a long time ago so i just kind of you know, connected it to that. Maybe Lisa let it go, so she like you know she had a responsibility for like taking it because, or else it was going to kill her childhood friend Claire. Like it was, you know, that's kind of how I looked at it when I mm-hmm. when I saw that. And I know I know I'm like filling in, but you know that's what we do with movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I re- that was by far one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, it was so good. Uh, but also we've spoken about it before, but. Uh, I'll repeat, just the eyes popping and the horns growing and everything coming out of P1 Birkin just was so gross and great. Like, I was like, and I was, I was like, almost in my head, I was just shouting at the screen, shoot the eyes, shoot them, <laughs> shoot the eyes. No one was. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, like, I want to talk a bit about the, just shortly on the zombies. This is perhaps where the film let me down uh, a, a, quite a bit. Like, I like the turning zombies, like the Hills of Eye zombies that we said. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I like the creepy aspect of, like, when uh, Claire looks through that window, sees the boy, and then the mother. That that kind of horror, I love that stuff. Like, that mm-hmm. that really, you know, res my engine. But um, it was like, it's the turning point from that point of being a zombie to being the hallway zombie or wherever they were, the library zombie, like, they look like bloated fish zombies. Like, they look really weird. Um, yeah. The the practical effects were really strange. And I kind of lost... Uh, I, I lost my immersion with those mm. with those zombies. Um, like, I mean, I know, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing a... with doing a Romero zombie. There's nothing wrong with just, you know, just a little bit of slowing flesh. You know, that's fine. You know, don't make them look just ill, you know, because that's they just looked a little bit under the weather, you know, mm-hmm. um, other than the, the whole blood coming from their mouths and stuff. Um, agreed that the zombie dogs were a bit pants like I, I, I kept back my opinions about the zombie dogs when I seen them in the trailer. I was like, OK, well, I'll just see what they're like in the movie. But no, they're bad. Um, and yeah, I feel like those crows, by the way, were partly CGI and practical. It's possible. I really want to see this again, just to like do a bunch of like slowing down and looking at stuff. And that's yeah. one of them. Cause I wondered the same thing. Yeah. Because it's the way that it's moving and it was really creepy the way, like the first one you see and it lands on the car and then Jill shoots it, the way it's head moves. They're like, it looks very robotic, mechanical, but also creepy. Like it looks pretty cool, um, to see. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, this is meant to be a monster movie and they did put all of their eggs into that liquor scene and Uh like the P1 
uh, Birkin scene. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't really like P2 Birkin. Like, I was not scared. I was not immersed. I was like, oh, say someone's going to come in with Rocket Launcher. Oh, hey, Leon. Yeah. You know, and then it's going to be over. Like, it was, it was, I know, you know, between our Resident Evil here, it is predictable. I, we knew that was going to happen. And it was clearly a nod. It was just like, if the monster was at least practical or half practical in some way, then I would have been more invested in that scene. Mm. Uh, yeah, but that that's my thoughts on the on the monsters mostly because there's not really much to them. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, Katie B, thoughts on POWs? Um, I won't retread. I'll just say I, I think I agree with literally everything that's been said. I think there's one point though where, and James actually just kind of touched on it. The the transforming zombies, I I actually did enjoy them. Um, like I say, I agree with everything that's been said about all the other BOWs. I'm not going to go over it. The reason why I liked these transforming zombies is it's not really... Like transforming zombies, you, you see them sort of done in generally the same way in movies all the time. This was sort of a different approach, and I know it's kind of connect to the, connected to that poisoning and all that, but I quite liked them seeing their hair, pulling their hair out and asking mm. for help. You know, they're going to the police station because I guess they think, I need help, I need to get to the police station. I mean, that's what I took from it. It's I'm, I'm not going to try and find too much logic there, but design-wise, yeah, that, that mother and child were super, super creepy. I love loved the shot where claire is looking under the table and it's just quiet and you see her running and jump through the glass now i know that was in the trailer but i i just think in situ it worked really well i liked their screeching i loved the little touch of the the uh, character in the diner where her eye yeah. starts bleeding yeah. mm. there was little things like that that i really enjoyed um so i'm i'm kind of on the side of I'm with what everybody else has said about the BOWs, but I know there's, there's a few kind of complaints about the transitioning. I, I liked it because it, it felt like I hadn't seen it done that way before. And I was just like, you know, trying to find the good things in this film that I enjoyed. I liked that. It's something that was new. Um, would have liked to have seen more, I suppose. But, you know, um, and then I loved, like you said, Sai, uh, Sherry, I think, was dreaming about Hunter, which... Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, as soon as she said that, I was like, we're going to get a hunter. We're going to get a hunter. And <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> Which is a big shame. I guess they have to really pick and choose. And obviously they went with the liquor. I'm with yeah. you, James. Loved that liquor and Lisa Trevor scene. I almost cheered as well. It's <laughs> it's silly. It is silly. It's stupid. But yeah, it, I enjoyed that. So BOWs, not too much else to say. Um, fine, can I, fine. Can I talk more about that scene? The, the, the dream scene? Sure. Yeah. Like, because... I know this film isn't super deep. Like, it's not meant to be super deep. But you can make it deep if you you go far enough. I mean, I'm part of the <laughs> alien universe, right? We go deep, like, with a lot of things, right? But, so, we know how hunters are made, right? Sure. So, like, may, you know, I, I maybe he was experimenting with, like, baby's blood with these people. Like, this contaminated baby's blood, which is why he was having like newborn blood, which is why she was having these nightmares. Maybe she would have eventually turned into one of them. <laughs> you, know, you know, like, or like yeah. she would have been a variant of it. Like it just, yeah. I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. And then when, when I, later on, they were experimenting on them. I was like, oh crap. Yeah, she could have been one or like there could have been someone in there that could have been one. It was, it was pretty cool. Hunter Shezza. 
<laughs> <laughs> it was really weird to see Birkin actually caring about his family. You know, Sherry and I don't know Birkin wife. I assume her name. Is, <laughs> yeah. She didn't really Sorry, certainly like. wasn't really Annette, was it? But that was interesting. No. Um, I also just wanted to point out the Dino Lady. Um, it kind of reminded me of the best zombie film of all time, uh, Shaun of the Dead, where you see lots of people in the background or once that you will see in the background as zombies yeah. later. And it was like that. Yeah. There was, you saw her, you know, and her eye bleeding and stuff. And then later in the film, there's a shot and you, she comes out of the diner and you get close up and she's a zombie now or whatever. And then you drive mm -hmm. away. I was like, that was really cool. Nice little touch to see that. But there you go. Um, let's move on to settings in terms of like burning through some quick subjects. I don't think there's a whole lot to say here. We've covered a lot of stuff throughout this film so far already. Um, but obviously, how do we feel about sets and stuff like that? Real quick for me, you know, um, for one thing, it, it wasn't weird to see these things on screen. It was more weird to hear, oh, you know, the old Spencer Mansion. That was in my brain. It was like, that's so weird to hear, hear someone say that in a film after the last seven where we weren't getting anything related to what's actually in the games. Um, but it was, it was one, you know, the RPG gate and the front hall was, you know, just beautiful. Um, it's a shame we didn't get to see it more really because it, it was really well made. Even, you know, CGI backdrop or whatever it was of the statue was a little rough, but I, it was, it was really cool to actually get to see that. And the same with the mansion to a lesser extent, I think the, uh, the front hall was cool, although the size of it seemed very skewed. Uh, but you know after that maybe less so the front hall was the most important part um, then the rest was just kind of like any old mansion but uh, yeah those those it was cool to see those on screen I would like to see more of a lab but uh, in terms of settings yeah fine you know the city looked good and the RPD especially I think shone um, Elsie how did you feel about the settings yeah I think pretty much the same as you uh some of it did look a very movie set and cheap and small, but I'm kind of torn if that was a bad thing. Um, mm -hmm. it was, there was lots about this movie that was so throwback that I didn't mind it. Um, and But the attention to detail was there. They, they'd made that effort. And, you know, Nest seemed a bit more like a dungeon than a lab, but that yeah, was fine. I agree. <laughs> yeah. It was fine. Um, orphanage was cool, very atmospheric. And, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. At atmospheric. And exactly like you said, I almost sort of just chuckled or smiled any time they referenced any location from the game because it is weird hearing that mentioned. Like I didn't even think about it till you've sort of said it there. But yeah, it's cool to see the stuff on screen. It's not the big budget stuff that we wanted, but yeah, there's a lot of um, fun movie techniques in this that make it feel a little bit old school. And I didn't mind that some of it looked very movie set and Raccoon City was kind of reduced uh, down to a small town rather than a city but again didn't mind it it was fine um cool to see the stuff and the effort to the attention to detail even if some of it looked a bit restricted if you mm. like yeah that's fair uh james thoughts on the settings uh yeah it was so they the ones that we saw like the very few set pieces that we saw um they look great the rpd looked great the mansion entrance looked great uh the train looked good as well yeah, yeah. um the arc clay mountain scenes look good i mean it's like you can't really go wrong with these things because they you know it's like you've got the template there and they did well with it um but other than that like i felt uh and I, i'm not gonna go super deep but I was, i'm interested to hear what your all of your guys' opinions are but it felt pretty dull like 
and you know this is mostly due to the like we're told this place is a ghost town right like mm-hmm. everywhere around it's a ghost town so my so the expe- the expectation um that this may be a bustling city is is like thwarted and i really wanted that um yeah so i feel like this was done again to cut back on like budget um yeah. so the title again confuses me like it confused me months ago and it still confuses me because yeah welcome to raccoon city but it's it's not we don't see much of raccoon city really at all mm-hmm. um we only see really odd like wide shots and clearly deliberate really tight shots um and yeah that that was a misstep for me that's probably my biggest criticism of this game this game this uh movie <laughs> uh, i'm gonna get slashed for that um was uh just the cinematography which we'll talk about later on but yeah all that no, stuff that, <clears throat> that's fair like again repeatedly just comes back to more time for me like this whole uh thing that robert said about the mansion being like the fog which is something that we can touch on later but the RPD meant to be feeling like a sort on Precinct 13. I sort of got where it was coming from. It just needed more time to actually sort of feel like constant under pressure and sort of enemies sort of cracking through the sort of the barricades and stuff like that. Just didn't get enough time in some of these locations that would have been nice. That's the thing. But I, you know, as I said at the top, I think the pacing is really good. I just would have liked more of everything, I suppose. Um, Jordan, thoughts on the settings and the sets? Um, yeah, to, to, to echo everything uh, that's been said, it, it, it's a bit lacking. Um, I think for most of the places, they feel more like backdrops. Um, I mean, I, I do appreciate them sort of diving into, you know, almost like asset use of Remake 2, um, or at least sort of burrowing sort of the designs of things like the RPD. Uh, because I do think that that works well. It's first of all, it's instantly recognizable, and it's maybe a little bit more, say, achievable than trying to fully realize um, a lot of those street scenes that were obviously from the the games. Um, because this was not going to be that movie. You weren't going to see a ton of those streets. Mm. Um, you get a sort of it's almost like accents of Raccoon City. It is, it, you know, it is a welcome to Raccoon City, but we're not here for very long. Um, and uh, so the only kind of locations that actually stand as locations, as places where things um, of note happen, and you get to spend a, a decent amount of time at, uh, would say um, the mansion itself and the orphanage. Um, that they they both have like you know quite a bit of importance. Whereas the RPD is kind of it feels like it's just the starting place for most of the characters. Mm. Um, it, it's it's just a kind of a place that we're sort of we're checking into, and it's it is obviously it's very cool to see the lobby and uh, you know the outside um, the gates, uh, but obviously we know how much you know most of us know that police department like the back of our hand. Yeah, we know all of those rooms. We can we can dream about what this film could have been if it was just situated in one building like the RPD. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's obviously not the case. And it's, it's obviously, it's all just a casualty of a, of a busy script. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a shame in, in that respect. Cause as I say, like it, it's, it's ironic that it's called welcome to raccoon city, which I can only think is just, a, it's a means of almost like, it's like Spider-Man Homecoming. It's meant to have a kind of a, a meta meaning. I feel like Welcome to Raccoon City mm-hmm. is kind of a... 
it's it's meant to be more indicative of them trying to go back to the roots of the game rather than trying to be a kind of almost like separate entity like the Anderson uh, films were. Right, totally. But the only problem is that as soon as you get there, um, what took uh, the series three mainline games and plus a bunch of spin-offs to cover the events of. We've got one movie. So we really don't get to know much about Raccoon City at all because it's going to be blown up um, very soon. It's kind of like, right, uh, destruction's happening at 6 a.m. Um, you know, we, we're going to do all these stops, see all these different places, but we're literally just sticking our head around the door to have a look at quite a few <laughs> different locations. But I did, I did like the mansion. You know, it's, a, it's one of those places that I've looked forward to seeing sort of realized in film for quite some time. Um, yeah. My my friend did point out that like as soon as soon as they first sort of enter that hall, it's just so stuff that nobody went left. It's like oh come on, everybody knows you go left when you go into that mansion. One take one one takes the right, and then they go up the stairs, and yeah, I can I can see it. So go go get your rink ribbons, come on. Um, (laughs) But I I was I was really kind of curious because I was like I was thinking, obviously that is a set. Like uh, there is a lot of other things that are actually made up of CGI. Uh, components um, that are obviously, uh, y- you know, partly sort of uh, affixed into live action, uh, but that's obviously a set. And I'm, I'm quite curious as to where they actually shot the locations for the interior of the mansion because I mm. think they did a pretty decent job of capturing, um, you know, what is so recognizable to so many Resident Evil fans. You know, in particular, the remake incarnation. Um, of the mansion and I thought he got that across so I did feel like a proper sort of fanboy just sort of like you know pointing and gawking and going wow look it is it is the mansion so they got that across but most of the places were just very fleeting so if you had like if you had a particular place that wasn't either the mansion or the orphanage that you were really looking forward to seeing I do feel sorry for you because you really just got a glimpse at, at best this is fair um and last but not least Adam thoughts on the settings and the sets of the film yeah, honestly, I think everyone's covered it pretty well. Mm. I I feel mostly the same way. I think it was probably it was nice to see a lot of the areas, um, but outside of like the prominent piece of it, you then were pretty quickly disconnected from it. Um, mm. The mansion, like Jordan said, being a bit different, it 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 definitely felt. You know, obviously we didn't have it perfectly, but it looked like an old mansion kind of affair and it was good i wish in the dining room when you had the blackout scene we had the ticking clock i think that would have actually added to the tension of a scene yeah, in the dark yeah, just yeah. hearing the, mm-hmm. the clock going mm. um that would have been really cool that they could have done but obviously that just was a little bit of a missed opportunity for me um one thing i did really like was they <clears throat> they accurately you know living in the midwest of america i, li- I live pretty much smack bang in the the middle of the midwest so it's nice to see that a town that is basically governed by the one company that that happens a lot here um so there'll be like a town where there was like a big mining company and all of a sudden the the mine is kind of dried out so the company leaves and then the town just kind of goes to nothing because there's no reason to be there there's no there's nothing of worth there other than the jobs that were there so that was definitely a very interesting thing to see for me, and I, I appreciated the difference. 
That's um, fair. I also of, of like a classic city. I would have preferred a city, you know, just canonically, but ah, see, it that's was okay. the thing. I actually like that it they dialed that back yeah. because over the years, Raccoon City's got bigger and bigger and bigger. For sure. Like, like, how would it be so hidden? Yeah, like, I I like better when it was of, a small yeah. Midwestern town before it became skyscrapers, yeah. and so like that was kind of nice. It had a better atmosphere to it as well. Yeah, exactly. Know. Yeah. Okay, this is another thing that we might have covered a lot of it, but just in case, let's talk a little bit more about the cinematography direction, the CGI, the effects, so on and so forth. Visual and audio stuff, soundtrack, if you like. Um, Adam, you just sort of mentioned the sort of... I, I guess it was meant to be the dining hall. I didn't necessarily pick up on that, but the... Uh, James, you mentioned it earlier, the the, the epileptic action set piece. Oh, man. Chris fighting <laughs> in the dark. Uh the zombie rave. The zombie rave. Uh, can't say that I was a fan of that, to be honest. I thought it was really annoying. I, did, uh, I liked the idea. I get where they were coming from. I just, I wasn't so keen on maybe the execution. Um, Sherwin obviously hasn't dialed in to be with us today, but he saw it last night and said, and I, I assume this is what he was talking about, but he said, uh, Welcome to Raccoon City feels like what would happen if you create a movie without giving any thought to storyboarding or action sequences. And I feel like this is probably what he's getting at because it felt like that to me. Um, I can understand for those that did like it, just wasn't for me. My only other major complaints I've already really just touched on is, you know, the CGI is largely bad, but what are you going to do? It's a budget thing. It's It did not ruin the movie. Um, the edit was a little bit odd for me. As I said, there's a bunch of stuff where we just hang on for a second or more way too long on a bunch of things. There's a shot where you're looking out from the front gate of the RPD up the main road. And you're just waiting for the truck to appear. Like we could have started with a truck halfway down the road. I'm like, what are we doing? Just sort of that seemed a bit odd. Also, as an aside, sort of related. How weird was it to see the classic 1996 logo on screen in the cinema? That was, mm. <laughs> especially because it wasn't on the posters or anything. Oh, bad. I really like that. As, as oh, soon no. as that showed up, I was actually like, oh yeah, sweet. No. Yeah, that was kind of kind of nice. Like it was just really weird in the same way that hearing them say Spencer Mansion was weird. I was like, oh, that's the original logo. How nice is that? I wasn't as keen on the clear reference to the 1996 intro with the green text at the end. That felt really dated and out of place um but again i guess it's kind of a nice reference um adam what did you think of the direction the effects and all that stuff um explosions were good explosions (laughs) look decent that's what i always hope for in a in a movie always want a good explosion um but yeah the effects i mean for the budget and for the movie we ended up getting it was actually all fine to me like i don't really have a lot to say about it it mm. was serviceable. It was pretty much what I expected. Um, I didn't really like um, the size of the explosions compared to the people in the vicinity explosions. Like when, um, why? Why am I blanking on it? When the the helicopter crashes through into the mansion, it, it follows this giant fireball, and then like. In the next scene, like Wesker and Jill get up and they're like five oh, feet from the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like, oh, they survived that, did they? Okay. Mm. And then the same, obviously, when a rocket launcher is shot at Birkin and blows up, and there's like three characters all right next to Birkin, and they're just like fine. So there was mm. issues there with with consistency of things, and obviously people always survive explosions, but it was just like, eh. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have other weird things to say. Um, like when the, uh, when the helicopter is, is, is kind of introduced, when Brad Vickers is introduced, they say, oh, hey, you know, it's, it's Brad Vickers. What are you still doing here? Since the department got rid of the helicopter. Um, they literally say that. And then in the next yeah. scene, it's like, let's all go in the helicopter. Yeah, what was that about? <laughs> like, I don't get it. You just said that, why is Brad still here? Because you got rid of the helicopter. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, stupid. I, I'll, I'll try and offer some kind of defense. I know I said earlier I wasn't going to try to explain away the plot holes of this film, but I do think there <laughs> might be a reason for that. Is that because obviously everybody's, you know, they're holding out. They're, they're they're getting out of that place. So anything to do with, you know, something that something that's sort of, you know, worth money is getting sort of shipped out. Um, and obviously, it seems like RPD is at least under part of an influence of Umbrella. There's at least there's at least something there that you know at play. And if you were to be Definitely. on the side of thinking that like Irons is partly in on it, he wants. You know, he wants the team to head out. Um, I don't know if he knows what Wesker's up to, but obviously, uh, you know, he wants that sort of team set out, probably in the hopes of getting rid of them. Um, but then mm. obviously that he, because he was then going to make his escape, that doesn't work out. So then he kind of falls back and tries to sort of, you know, radio him in because he can at least get a chopper. Um, so I kind of felt like that maybe the chopper budget, like this, they're talking about that because they're just thinking about like, the other budget cuts that are happening to the police force because somebody knows what's going to happen and they're, they're basically just sort of cutting off as much of the budget as possible because they know that the city's going to be leveled and anybody sort of left there is is out of the loop and, and sort of just the collateral damage of that. That's the only thing I could say that it might possibly be just a, a little bit of a nod to that and a little bit of a sort of a, you know, a jibe. Uh, sort of Brad and sort of just say, oh, like, what are you still doing here? But I mean, yeah, but that's, as best, that's as best as I can do. The that's the problem. And then they're on it. Yeah. yeah they didn't I... say, no, they didn't say, I don't think they said that they, they got did, rid yeah, of the they chopper. Did. They said, because it really said, stood out when they were on the chopper. I'm pretty sure they say, why are you still here, Brad? We don't even have a chopper anymore. They say something no, like that. I don't, I don't think they just giving him a hard time. I don't think they do said, I thought they said, I thought they said we were like cutting the chopper team out of the budget. That's oh, what maybe I it was that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of those. I mean, we we moved on to direction and effects, and then we've gone back to plot holes. My <laughs> my all time favorite is that this film shouldn't be called Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City. It should be called Sherry Birkin or How I Was Kidnapped by Four Complete Strangers. Because right, <laughs> which I know is kind of in the games anyway. But at least with especially with remake two, the thing one of the things we really praised it for was like. The Sherry dealing with her parents' death stuff was really well done. In this, they're like sitting on the train at the end, like Chris and Claire having their making up sort of brother and sister moment. And Sherry's just sitting there and she's just completely fine with the fact she's just watched her parents die. Right. And in this movie, she had such a stable home and obviously her parents loved yeah, her. Exactly. She had a nightmare and they both rushed to her, you know, and then all of a sudden they just get wrecked and she's like, okay. She. Did not need to be in this movie at all, did she? She served nope. absolutely no purpose. Annette didn't go. need to be like Annette, pseudo Annette, and Sherry were Back complete 
unnecessary yet, Bergenworth. Sorry, Connor. Okay, okay, okay. We're getting off the rails. Let's bring it back. Let's bring us back. Talk about cinematography. Cinematography, um, on a positive note, there there is a terrifying moment. Unfortunately, they repeat the same shot, which I think KDB uh, was alluding to earlier on. It's done right at the beginning. Um, and it's uh, when the lady gets hit by the truck and then she disappears. And if you look carefully, like, I mean, to be honest, I had to look carefully because the bloody cinema was out of focus. But <laughs> you could see her in the freaking trees and it terrified me. I was yeah. Like, yeah, she's standing in the trees. Yeah, yeah. that was really terrifying really good uh, that's, that's what a zombie does it walks away from people and yeah, goes and watches the trees. yeah but but then <laughs> you know she's maybe she likes leaves okay guys I, I... <laughs> but but then they use that same shot like two or three more times uh in the movie and i was like okay you know just do something else um and i kind of i kind of like that um also uh, I mean, that's the only really positive thing I have to say, uh, other than half the CGI was good, half the CGI was bad. But the other thing was the sound in this movie was bad. Um, I feel I felt like my ears were being bombarded. Like, <laughs> whenever a freaking action scene came in, I had to put my... I had to put my hands over my ears when the Chris thing happened, right? The, 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 zombie, the zombie rave, right? Because I was just getting a headache. Like it was just there was just so much happening. Like and there was so so many unnecessary like uh like drops of music or like uh snares that we were just put in for no reason. Like um, the one that's the most memorable is when the the truck is just driving into Raccoon City and it's boom you know, it's like stop. Just I know the truck is driving, it's very suspenseful, yes. Um but yeah, it the sound really irked me. It, it I, I maybe it's because I've like I'm very susceptible to sensory overload, and like if there's something that's mm-hmm. going on for too long, I could I just uh, I just disassociate, and I had to like kind of forget about that scene and move on, mm-hmm. like because I know there was a lot of details in that Chris scene, um, but I couldn't look at it because my brain couldn't function, like because there was just so much happening, um, and the sound was yeah the sound the, the sound is like second biggest gripe about this this movie for me. Fair enough. Um... Jordan, what do you think of the direction, cinematography, effects, and so on? Well, you know, we've already covered that the budget, you know, is is shoestring. So it yields a lot of mixed results. But I do think that um, they make what they have work. Um, I think it was probably a smart choice, you know, even if it was, you know, partly sort of for the aesthetic more resembling Remake 2 to kind of go with uh, a lot of uh, use of torches, Flashlights, um, limited light in in certain scenes and areas, which means you don't have to necessarily do the kind of uh, set dressing that, to be quite honest, the, the games have a very high bar for, because mm. you know they painstakingly they, they, they turned it into an art form to kind of make a sort of a, like a decayed city with just so much debris that sort of tells its own story, and you couldn't really do that in this film because they're constantly moving, so no room really gets that much of a sort of addressing maybe in the orphanage which is obviously really hammering home you know just how um ubiquitous umbrella are um yeah. and and how totally not evil they are <laughs> uh 
Um, but yeah, mo in most places, the, the low light works. I mean, it works for the suspense, it works for horror, and I think it certainly works for the budget. So that at least felt sort of natural. I thought generally the look of the film looked good. Um, I think they kind of paired it back, kind of like kept it kind of simple. I, whenever there's something that's taking place in the past, I always, I'm, I'm always kind of curious as to whether they're really going to ham it up, like mm. you know, really kind of say this is the past, and mm. you know, have I don't know, you, you know, your hero landed a blockbuster, for example, um, or if it's just going to be sort of something that feels like a movie of that time of of '98. Yeah, and um, <laughs> so yeah, it certainly feels like that. Um, I think that. It feels natural enough for Raccoon City, even though we don't get to see a, a lot of it. It certainly feels like a place that is actually lived in, um, considering how many sort of like CGI assets are used, not only for the creatures and the buildings, um, it still generally comes across as a, as a real place. And I appreciate that. Um, I mean, as, as far as sort of cinematography, there's some really nice shots. There's some, there's some shots that kind of really work well or, or kind of get a bit creative. Um, I mean, personally, I, I can totally understand the um, concern over sort of <laughs> the epilepsy-inducing um, lights-out scene in the mm. in the mansion because that certainly could be. I, I have no idea uh, exactly how strong a strobe you can have before it's you know a, a problem in a film or or any kind of content. Uh, but I did like that scene partly because I love the film Equilibrium, and there is a there's a scene in that that is exactly like that, where all you're seeing is the muzzle flash and you get a couple of, um, you know, shutter sort of shots of different enemies sort of going down. And uh, so it's recreated in that kind of way. Obviously, pro gamer Chris taking out like 20 zombies. Um, I thought that really worked really well. So there's there's definitely quite a few scenes which um, are, they're, they're not flat shots. I think at least the director um, is at least creative in that way. It, it never felt kind of boring in that respect. Maybe a couple lingering shots, but everything still felt quite interesting. Mm. And also, just as a sort of like the little kind of bonus thing of like the uh, the throwback to uh, remake ones, um, like opening cutscene with the yeah. post credit scene with the body peg lifting up. I thought that was great. Yeah, it was a great yeah. moment. And the funny thing is, it looked really like that cutscene. In fact, speaking of which. There was a moment in the film. I don't even know if you actually really mentioned it yet, because um, where do you, where do you fit this in? But when they uh, when Claire finds the film reel and it's showing the the Ashford twins, at first I yeah. thought it was yeah. actually I thought it was actually from the game, and that was not that's not like mocking it. It's it's more like they got the they got the costumes and the way they filmed it like perfect. It was it was eerily authentic to the the original cutscene um and so that was that was quite interesting so mm. there's been a lot of like love and attention kind of put into things like uh the costumes and a, a sort of a scope for how this film can kind of work on the budget that it has and the script that it has and i think it does well in that respect so i mean direction i don't really have a problem with um as i say the action pieces are where it kind of really thrives yeah uh so that all comes across strong um Soundtrack, I don't have much to say apart from when there is a little bit of music, when, when you do get a, a theme or, or some slight melody, it does feel like it's on the right track. I'm not saying mm. that it necessarily comes close to anything like a save room music, 
but it's got that kind of melancholy piano that that works uh that kind of taps into my understanding of this is resident evil mm-hmm. you know and this is kind of this, this kind of hopeless sort of dirge with the music that works well because it's really foreboding so there's there's only real scant um elements of that in the soundtrack but when you have it it's nice yeah i agree um some of the music even i think it might even be sort of Oh, it's not the first piece because you get like a choir thing sort of for the orphanage. But there, a lot of the music that I felt, at least um, in the film, I'd be interested to actually listen to the soundtrack. But there's like a lot of stuff that starts with like low cello, long drawn out notes or like bassoons or whatever it is, something low. And that feels very like the classic RE1 soundtrack. Like, there's some elements in there, as you say, that do feel pretty close. Um, in terms of the Ashford's thing, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's funny that you say that because you're right, it's... it's astronomically close to the video game they did a really good job with that which is setting up for the sequel it's almost certainly not going to get um but they did use game footage actually uh one specific part the close-up of the dragonfly with no wings being eaten by the ants Mm. that is and this was mentioned prior to the film release that they used some game footage but watching it Uh. that was the part that they used from which makes sense because you don't have to You'd have to, you know, use CGI models of people. No, you know, once we've cut away from the actual human beings, you can put that in there. So that was one of those nice little references, you know. Unlike, like, what they're going to do? They're going to like charge an extra five thousand, like, to get that scene done again, or like just copy paste it from the game. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely right. Um, That was a nice, nice one. Uh, Unlike Jill's line about, "Would you rather die by a giant snake or a giant great white shark?" That was a stupid reference. Uh, But there you go. <laughs> uh Kelsey, I'm sure you got a lot to say as the, as the film buff on cinematography and direction. So, uh it's over to you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um uh, I I am really going to champion the cinematography and I think Jordan has alluded to it. Uh it's really good in this film and this is where when I, when I was watching the movie and I was trying to kind of figure out okay, what were they going for here and how much is budget constraints and how much is intentional and accidental and all that. So there is no way people watching this movie didn't notice things like there's lots of times where the camera starts static and then it moves to like a long pan or a track. Now, this is all stuff that's like really purposeful. It's a very old school horror movie technique. John Carpenter used it loads and it's it became this like this really cool stylistic touch that was actually from things i've read it it was done often as a way to save setup time between shots so it almost works on kind of like a double level for this movie where it reduces their setup times because they decide to get like what would usually be in a modern movie five or six cuts just in one moving shot like the opening shot of the film i think is static to a track and so I noticed that straight away. And there is lots of them in the movie. Um, there's some uh, there's some nods to RE1 with static camera, watching them go up the stairs in the mansion and things like that. All very purposeful, creative and very stylistic. Like I really loved the cinematography. The torch use as well, which some uh, has been mentioned. Sorry, I think that might have been Jordan as well. Um, and yeah, I was a big fan of how this movie looked uh, in terms of you know what they did with the camera and the lighting uh, CG as we've mentioned does fall apart in places but I gotta be honest it was better than I was expecting based on the trailer um, mm. I think the dogs and the truck crash were kind of the worst but I thought Licker and G were both quite good um, James hit the nail on the head with some of the audio use 
they the jump scare loud crash and bangs was used over and over and over mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. and that's another really old school technique but i don't know I, I think i jumped maybe once in this movie um so that probably didn't hit the mark as much as i would have liked it to but just quickly back again cinematography wise this film is really good and I think watching it again and to just focus on what they do with the camera, people might find an appreciation for it that they maybe didn't see before because uh, it's very throwback. The nods to John Carpenter are all over the movie. And Johannes Roberts kept saying that before the movie. And all right, tonally, maybe we didn't get it, but visually they're there. So I was a big fan of that. Um, The music, the needle drops were incredible. As I said, I loved the Jennifer Page one. And the cardigans as well was in this film losing my favorite <laughs> game like i'm sorry but like this it's a film they're setting it in 1998 to pick a few tracks you know four non blondes was in there as well from the trailer and i like it when they make the diegetic sound drop into the actual soundtrack which they did i think on all three occasions with the with the pop songs that they used i really like that it's something that doesn't happen as much in movies these days uh, but i'm a big fan the um and the as also has been touched on the actual soundtrack itself uh, is very atmospheric and you feel like it keeps it kind of teases it quite a lot and never really expands it as much as I would have liked it to but yeah I would I noticed the sound and mm. like visually and 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 soundtrack wise this film is really strong and there's a lot of issues I've had I've had with this movie and that we've mentioned and everyone's mentioned but. Yeah, huge thumbs up for how it looks, considering how cheap that budget is. Uh, they did really well. And and I came away from it feeling like they're making the nods to the classic horror and they had fun. And I think it really shines through. So it's, yeah, it's thumbs up from me for visually, apart from some of the shoddy C- CG. But I can kind of let it slide. Like you say, it doesn't ruin the movie. So, yeah, big fan. Cool. All right. Well, we've definitely been recording a hell of a lot longer than the runtime of the actual film. So let's get to <laughs> some conclusions, um, some final wrap up thoughts on what you thought. Uh, I know for most of us, we are, you know, about 24 hours out or less than we've actually seen the film. So perhaps with time, these opinions will change. But let's let's get some conclusions on it. And also, more than anything, a question that I'd also like to put to everyone is where this ranks uh, amongst everything else that we already have in terms of the Resident Evil film franchise, is this on top of every Anderson film? Or do you have a particular favourite from those car wrecks that you'd put above this one? Um, (laughs) Jordan, let's start with you. You said if you had to give this film a score, you said four out of ten. Can you expand on that? And do you think this is the best Resident Evil film uh, that we've had to date? It is. It is, is, in my opinion, the best film that we've had. And that's, that's on... Uh, all Resident Evil media, um, in mm. terms of kind of films and TV shows, uh, I think it's the the strongest of the bunch. Even though, with my admission that it is a four out of ten film, that's not a high bar to clear. Sure. Clearly, um, but uh, it, I mean, it doesn't seem to slow down these films as far as coming out. Like, I mean. There may not be a sequel to this film, but there will be many other Resident Evil films. I just I'm almost certain of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot stronger than even my most liked Anderson film, which was uh, ironically one of the worst reviewed ones, which was Apocalypse, the second one. Um, but mm. uh, yeah, I, I I think that 
it's interesting. It, it, it kind of it, it actually kind of keeps you hooked. I mean, the the Anderson ones are just so sort of ridiculous. The uh, the CG movies I could just never get into. I, they almost felt so sort of sort of safe and by the numbers that they kind of bored me. This is a bit of a risky one because it, it it kind of messes with the lore a little bit. Um, there's a lot of things that you can kind of go into with some expectations, and they can kind of go up in the air because. Uh, you know, ultimately, the beast of this movie can only do so much with it, you know its time frame, with how many characters it has, and everything that it's sort of you know plate spinning, as it were. But I suppose the thing that I appreciate the most about it is just how honest and authentic an adaptation is, even if it is not an entirely successful one. And that was the difference between this film and any of the Anderson films. With all respect to Anderson and his crew. And all the people that worked on those films, there were points where I was sitting and watching them and I felt like I was being made a fool of. Because right. I was I was watching, as I've watched so many other video game adaptations, where this isn't necessarily catering to uh, a general audience in a kind of proper way that's doing any kind of credit to the source material. But it's, it's also kind of really ruining a, a certain amount of the, um, the, the actual original property. Um, and, and people kind of come away. That's why people come away thinking that you know video games are silly, um, mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily know the the actual sort of stories or the actual characters. So, and especially at certain points, the Anderson verse really did feel like it was just it was introducing what were just effectively sort of free assets. Like, oh, we'll put this monster in. We'll put this creature in. Oh, Resident Evil Five has just come out. We'll put the executioner in and all that kind of stuff. And it really felt like sort of like just dangling keys in front of you as an audience. I don't necessarily think that that was the case here. There's certainly a lot of stuff that's that's kind of chucked into, you know, obviously excite the fans. But I feel like there is a, a logical inclusion uh, for the most part. So, yeah, it's 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 decently ahead of everything else. But um, I'm still a bit shocked that we're, you know, we're. I don't even know how many films we're on. Was it seven films, eight films? Yeah. Ten, this is number ten in terms of. Films, yeah, I if you if you oh, include, like the CG films and all of sure. that, yeah, it, we're 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 so deep into sort of Resident Evil media that you could you could spend a day plus, uh, you know, watching everything, and I it is a little bit disappointing that this is the best that we've done. It's good that the latest um in, you know instance of this is better than the rest, but it feels like uh I I just want to see something that's sort of paired back as an experience that's. Something that is um, just just something that you could recommend to people. I I like this film, but I couldn't necessarily recommend it to people who've never followed Resident Evil. So that's yeah. a little bit of a shame. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Yeah, certainly. Um, Kelsey, where where do you land on this? Is this uh, again top of the pile? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. I think it's the best one personally. I know some people liked the Anderson movies. Uh, I I've always not hated that first Anderson movie. I think. The first time I saw it, I came away like, oh, that wasn't really Resident Evil. But over time, I sort of grew to love it. And then in comparison to the subsequent films, it was by far the strongest one for me. And it was his own. It was its own thing. But then as a Resident Evil fan, this just gave me so much more to enjoy and take away. And so it definitely ranks as the best one for me. Uh, it's not it's not even close. I think it's maybe close with the first Anderson movie. But for me, this is more what I'm looking for. And. As we've covered, it's it's not without its flaws, some bad dialogue, thin story, uh, all things which key things which can hurt a movie overall. But I 
I I think I've always been in a mindset where I never expected any of that to be good with this movie. I think just because it's a video game movie and this is the way it is. And so even though some of the dialogue is poor, I have some pacing frustrations and it being both games in one movie. There's just too much other good stuff around it for me, which made it a fun ride, um, has countless nods to the game, which is a fun, big fan tick for me. It, it tries to approach the characters in some original ways, which is another big tick. Uh, the gore is great. Loads of Romero, John Carpenter and old school grindhouse B-movies, throwback elements, which for me are kind of exactly what I want in this kind of movie. Um, it's not perfect, but it's perfectly watchable. Uh, and it's funny, uh, as I've mentioned. It, mm. it wears Resident Evil on its sleeve. Like Jordan said, it's so honest as trying to be a Resident Evil movie and i'm a big fan of it despite its flaws i don't really blame the director i don't think he was ever going to be allowed to make a slow burn resident evil movie and so he's with that in mind he's gone out of his way to make a very unpretentious like i said throwback of which Mm. the influences are all over this it has those comedy elephants uh, elephants elements elephants. which uh yeah which (laughs) i i enjoyed Uh, i'm just gonna say one last thing I, i i've seen and heard like a lot from what people in the fandom have been saying about this film. And it's fair enough if people wanted a darker tone, like I say, slow burn, slow burn movie with characters that fully embody the game versions, uh, which I would have liked to have seen as well. Uh, but that's not what this movie is. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying that this film shouldn't exist. It's a travesty. It's worse than every Anderson movie. And it's, I just can't really get on board with those comments. I think... I think maybe there's some super hardcore fans that feel very protective for for valid reasons, you know, of the franchise. And they maybe didn't get what they want, um, but it's presented some unwarranted hate, which you sort of touched upon earlier as well, which I I just cannot even... I don't even like talking about it, but, you know, that's... I just wanted to say that that stuff's absolute bull****. So I 1000% disagree with those people who who use that as a reason to dislike this film. Um, I don't think it's an objectively bad movie. Uh, I'm not sure. Everyone's looking for different things. We could sit here all day and list like a thousand objectively bad movies, and this comes nowhere near to any of them. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm not holding its production constraints against it too much. It could have been a lot more, but this is what we got. And I I left the cinema smiling. I would, I'd give it, I'd give this film, I'd give it a four out of five, honestly. (laughs) I know that's higher than the four out of ten. But I just think it's almost like a four out of five within a certain, you know, a certain field of movies. It's, I'm not comparing this to, to Christopher Nolan or anything like that. It's within these types of video game, horror movies, fun movies. It's a solid four out of five. I really enjoyed it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I think... That I would agree in terms of it being the best Resident Evil film. I think that the first Anderson movie is a lot cleaner. Uh, it has a plot that is not riddled with holes. Um, it's perhaps a better film, but it's not weighed down is not the term, but it's not beholden by being an adaptation, the first Resident Evil film, because it's not really, is it? Not like in the same way that this is. That being said, I will take this over Anderson's first film because it is an adaptation and it should be an adaptation because 
this series has been around 35 years, 10 films, three of which are canonical. Okay, so seven films. And we've only finally had something that's actually adapting the source material. So it should be an adaptation. And if I want to watch a Resident Evil film, I'm going to watch probably an adaptation unless it's a complete dumpster fire, which this isn't. It's good fun. It's hugely flawed. I came out with a whirlwind of emotions that has settled on. I did enjoy it, certainly. And it, it yeah, it's, it's the better one out of them. Apocalypse, uh, quite famously, is most of our favourite film from the Anderson series. Uh, which is a good fun movie, and it is closer to the Resident Evil source material than the original Anderson film. Um, but I would take this, I think, over over that. Um, the thing is, though, when we talk about adaptations, and this is sort of almost like tying myself in a knot here, um, I'm certain I have agreed with the point, and I still do, to a certain extent, agree with the point that there is no advantage to adapting a game one for one to cinema screen because at that point you might as well go and play the game i can understand that point of view absolutely i have echoed that point of view uh that being said the choices they made in terms of what they were gonna skew um to make it work the way they wanted it to work a lot of these were just arbitrary like you uh, you could have just changed something else and it really wouldn't have made much of a difference some of the characters and some of the storylines, like I said, the stuff that I really didn't like, despite the fact that I really didn't like them, enjoyed the film. And this is a broader conversation that we definitely don't have time for. But how do you make those choices when you're adapting media for an adaptation of a film? What do you choose as the thing that you're going you're gonna to swap out and change up for the movie-going audience, really? Um, yeah, you, you can very well say you may as well play the game if it's going to be the same thing. But here's the thing. To my knowledge... Nobody has actually adapted a video game for the screen yet. Not to one for one. You know, everything has had a big sweeping change. Every video game film that you can think of, I certainly can't think of anything that's been a, a pretty straight adaption. Um, even stuff like the Castlevania anime, you know, they're mushing lore from different parts together. So I don't think that we can say what the best kind of adaptation is because there's no evidence for it. So now that we've had a taste of an actual adaptation of the Resident Evil game law and plot and settings and characters on screen i'd be interested to see what it would be like if they just took the first game and did what they could with it without making arbitrary changes again that's not something that i'm looking for any answer for i don't think there's any answer because i don't think there's any evidence of it yet because i don't think those films exist i don't think it's going to happen it's not really any it's not really me coming to a conclusion or welcome to raccoon city but it's definitely a thought that i've been having all of today is like what would it have looked like if they'd have actually really gone true and what would that have landed like with everyone the fans and the general movie going audience but sadly the film has been you know the marketing issue that we talked about i don't think it would have made a huge amount of difference more fans perhaps happier but then again i don't know maybe not maybe if it was one for one you're going to come out being like well i just kind of wasted time when i could have just sat home and played remake but yeah I enjoyed it overall, I think. It's a lot in there to sort of rifle through in your head. Plenty of things I didn't like at all. And maybe over time, in the same way that we were, <laughs> Phantom Menace came up, maybe this film will get more appreciation years and years down the line. The way that people started to look at certain elements of Resident Evil 6 and gone, oh, do you know what? It's not all hot garbage. Uh, so maybe time will do good things for this film that being said it is on top 
Uh, Adam, I know that you are not a big fan of this film, but is it at least better than all of the Anderson films, or or is that not the case? That is definitely not the case. Interesting. Um, the first Resident Evil film, whilst not being potentially super Resident Evil, is a better made film with less questions asked. Um, and I know you were just saying about adaptations and stuff, but honestly, I feel that this Resident Evil film has as much Resident Evil in it as some of the Anderson films. Huh. You, okay. you, you don't just get to put your hand into a bucket of Resident Evil and throw it at a movie and then be like, well, it's a faithful adaptation. Firstly, the characters are not the characters we know. So that's not an adaptation, in my opinion. It, because they could just be any characters given a name. If you want to just say names make a movie, then yes, this is the most Resident Evil movie that's ever been because the names are right. But there's no Umbrella in this movie. It comes off that Birkin is kind of working as a solo actor in his hidden workshop to me. So Umbrella's just out of the door. We don't get any explanation on the viruses you know, we get this stuff in Anderson films. So, you know, to, to say that this is more faithful is not really fair. Anderson gives us a lot more of Umbrella than this movie ever did. And honestly, Anderson's Umbrella plays out way more like game Umbrella in their weird, goofy decisions and stuff. So I would say it was hard to, to say that, oh, this is more Resident Evil. This, this has more Resident Evil poured on it to look like Resident Evil, but really, if you boil it down to what you actually, again, take all your knowledge of Resident Evil away and watch the movies, and I think Anderson's first and second movie actually have more Resident Evil to them. Um, and the second in particular is, we all agreed it was a super fun romp in the end. We actually really enjoyed it uh, for what it was, and I think I enjoyed it more than this in terms mm. of rompiness. Mm. Because this, when you really boil it down and take away all of our prior knowledge, just it, it, for me, it was a boring movie that kind of highlighted the wrong areas. It spent too much time um, on weird orphanage scenes that didn't actually go anywhere. Or with the truck driver, we didn't need that. There was so much additional stuff to this. And then if you because there were so many characters, if you take them, and just watch their scenes individually. I feel like you would probably get almost nothing from them, um, except for maybe one or two characters. Um, and I feel that Anderson did a better job, at least, with giving us some of the characters. I know they weren't all perfect, but some of the characters we got were decent uh, adaptations as well, and, were, and much more proficiently acted. Again, the budget was there for Anderson, so, you know, there is definitely a big gap in, in what we got. But I don't think it's fair to constantly say, well, the budget, well, he had this. You, you have to work with what you're given. Mm. And that doesn't excuse you from making something bad. You know, we can look at some of the, like, the Blair Witch had a tiny budget and it's hailed as one of the great, you know, um, horrors of, of kind of our generation um for what it did for for what money they had and you can't say that about this movie you know and and i i respect all of your guys's thoughts on it you know art is a very subjective medium and people love certain things like there are people whose resident evil 6 is their favorite game um mm. they probably love it i you know obviously don't feel that way so i have to disagree with you all here and just say i don't think it was a great film and i think that 
there is a lot of smoke blowing in front of our eyes in terms of, like I say, putting your hand in the big bucket of Resident Evil and throw it at the movie. And, oh, look, it's yeah. the RPD. Oh, look, it's this. Oh, look, it's that. But, it, but when you really watch it, I think repeated watchings and you'll be like, well, yeah, it just says RPD, but it doesn't, it's not the RPD. It doesn't really feel like it. Or it says this is Leon. And yeah, it's a fun character, but it isn't, an, it isn't Leon because it's just a completely different character with his name. And I just think that that's the case for this movie. Um, I definitely do put it above most of the Anderson films, you know, because they're hot garbage. But I, I honestly, enjoy, if I were to watch Resident Evil 1, uh, the original Anderson film, and then Apocalypse and this, I honestly think I still would prefer those two over this movie. Yeah, that's fair. Do you know, I, I agree with you're saying about not necessarily agreeing with your points, but absolutely understanding where you're coming from and respecting that. I can see... A lot of mm. what you're saying, I completely understand it. I, I, and to a certain extent, I agree with you. I think, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but the first Anderson movie is just a better movie than this is. <laughs> right. It is a better movie than this is because it's, it's just more concise and stuff like that. It's, but my, obviously my view of it is that I, I do actually think some of the characters were done well, so that does make it feel a bit more like an adaptation. But I can certainly see your point where it's just like... Throwing in endless references does not necessarily a Resident Evil filmmaker, and it certainly doesn't I, I necessarily like make it makes a good the film. Film more shallow, sure. Yeah, like we didn't need the uh, the Ashfords like that little scene. I think it right. just dilute because it because that act, the actual what they were telling us, like these kids were experimenting on, and the 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 scene there, they don't go together because it doesn't look like two kids who have been experimenting. Two kids sitting next sure. to each other looking happy Absolutely. like one of them's torturing a bug sure but that didn't have any sort of impetus for for what they were telling us yeah yeah absolutely there was just way too much going on in this film and a lot of it was unexplained i would love like that we get like a two-hour cut or something and maybe that changes everything but who knows that's obviously being incredibly uh, I wish we could just get. I, w- I think we should all get a panel. We should re re uh, redo this episode, but each of us chooses someone who has no knowledge of Resident Evil, and we movie. sit them in front of this movie and ask them to explain any part of Resident Evil and see what they say. All right, audience, put a pin in that and remind me in about three years, <laughs> and we'll come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, James, finish us off. Um, what's your final conclusion on this? Does it land above? all of the live-action Resident Evil films to this point. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's I had a feeling you might say that. It surpasses the Anderson movies because it is a Resident Evil movie. Right. It is a it is full of Resident Evil. Like I said earlier on in the chat that um, the original games are very analog. Like, they're very... You know, I, I can't really describe that, but like... The newer Anderson move, well, to say newer, but they look newer because they have a bigger budget, right? They are more digital and more sci-fi, and that's not what Resident Evil is. Not the original games. Mm. And this is coming from somebody who's new to the to the franchise. Like, so these, like, this movie is more Resident Evil. Like, let's forget about Faithfulness for, for a second, right? Because I didn't even watch that video. That's a pretty crappy thing for that person to say, right? But... Like, let's forget about faithfulness. It is, like, more of a Resident Evil movie than those Anderson movies were, right? Not only that, but they kept to the source material. They kept it also fresh with some extras there, you know, because 
we all know that the RE community, we kind of, you know, some in some corners we hate change, right? Um, <laughs> you know, but guys, the games aren't even technically canon. <laughs> None yeah. of it is. None of it is. <laughs> Like you can you can argue until the cows come home, right? But it doesn't matter because the writers are you know they're all over the place, right? So it's it's about what what is the recipe for what makes Resident Evil Resident Evil? And I think although they didn't get it perfect with this film, they did touch on the recipe, mm. right? For me, like my conclu- like my conclusion for that, like I can't deny that this film clearly has issues because it does, like it really does, um, you know. And I've I've highlighted them and. So have you guys. Um, but I know that we shouldn't be talking about the budget, but it is a big point of it, you know, why it didn't do well. Um, and most of the reasons it didn't do well is budget-related and marketing and the, the, the fact that Sony just didn't care about it enough. Um, and I know that's a hard thing to want to blame because you can't, we can't scream and shout about it, right? Because it's completely out of our control, right? Because Sony is a big corporate and they, you know, they do what they want. Um, but in my eyes, there is no better Resident Evil live action movie out there at the moment than this Resident Evil. Oh, all right. Well, what a monster of a podcast. Nothing else remains to me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. Join the Discord server to get in touch with members of the team and our community, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's recorded. You can find a link to the server, as well as our Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and more at fasprayPod.com. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes, and if you enjoyed the show, then please do leave us a review where you can. It helps spread the word. You can also support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash Pod for as little as $1 a month. On our next episode, we cover a game that's been a long time coming, a classic from a bygone era, a very special title that has remained in the hearts and minds of many for 20 years since its release in the early 2000s. That's right, it's Resident Evil Gaiden. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Siniac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FB Steve was taken. Jordan is at Serial Box 64. Adam is at AdVicar 01. James is at Moist Owlet OFF. And Kelsey is at K underscore D underscore B underscore. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. If there was Thank- one thing I would change, right, about that film, if I could have like 30 <laughs> seconds to change one thing about that film, it's how abrupt the ending is. Like, the characters yeah. don't even talk to each other. I feel like that was like, it, like this is just me being like yeah. a fanboy for a little moment and just saying, if I could change one thing, it would have them talk about what just happened, and then mm-hmm. somebody just say the line, it's up to us to stop Umbrella. Because they're the only <laughs> survivors. Yeah. Jordan, I thought, I was like, that just- makes perfect sense. Just how you we didn't even out talk about how badly the city blew up. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Oh, how, how just flew away in the wind, dude. I forgot that, to what mention. The hell was that? I forgot Can to I... mention my favorite point was the cow dying. <laughs> the cow blowing away. It didn't definitely die. That was the I most. Just, come uh, back in the sequel. That was the most nineties reference because all I could think of was Twister. Yeah, I saw that cow it going was. up in the air. <laughs>
it felt like a deliberate reference. But Jordan, I just like I'm on your side there. Like the ending is abrupt, but I just want to say, and I completely forgot to say this because I had this in my notes. Like you, you can watch. Uh, uh, maybe a more recent example of this is if you watch Planet Terror, which is like a, a an yeah. ode to Grindhouse films. It ends in yeah. exactly the same way. These these movies used to do that. Yes. A character Ni- a would lot of kill movies the boss. Just in the nineties would yeah. be like kill yes. the guy, and then they're like, okay, yeah. and then it's done. Yeah, Django Unchained does it as well, where the big bad gets blown up, and someone basically winks at the camera, and the title appears on the screen. I, like I couldn't, I could understand like, it. I could understand it is that. It's a purposeful yeah. thing, but I, suppose... I do think it was too abrupt. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> just I, I think that's perfectly valid because I definitely yeah. had a couple of vibes during the movie that he was sort of channeling something like that there was a real lingering mm-hmm. shot on Claire that I thought was like that but yeah that was just in my head I was just thinking oh, just, I, I know there's so many other things to fix about this movie just, just like yeah. 30 seconds somebody that, say that line just if we can save yeah. one line from the games it's <laughs> like it made the most sense to me 